Monster. Serious XM. I'm waking up to ash and dust. Oh, I wipe my brow and I sweat. On today's show. I'm sorry for everything. No, everything I've done. Howard reunites with Grammy winners Imagine Dragons. Thank you, Imagine Dragons. I thank you for coming in here. It's a he's dream the, to be in here. Know he's the most diehard fan of the show. I love that. Uh, since he was a young kid, like, this is everything. This, this is, he cared more about this than the Grammys. This was everything. I feel like I raised you. That's what the thing is. I feel like you raised me, too. Only on The Howard Stern Show. <laughs> I add to the song. I know what it needs. I should have done that when I was in the studio with Rob Zombie recording this. I should have gone. Oh. 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 I think he would have liked that. Hey, he would have oh. gone wild. <laughs> oh. 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 I'm um, very charged up about music because we have oh. Imagine Dragons on today. And uh, Dan Reynolds, the lead singer, if you go online, he does a very cool thing to prepare for um, the Imagine Dragons uh, performance today. You should watch on uh, YouTube. There's a uh, fabulous video of him composing songs. Maybe it's not even on YouTube. Maybe it's on like TikTok or one of those streaming one services. One of those things, yeah. And he is on there. And he just, he sits and he shows you how he puts together a song. He just starts from the very beginning, from scratch. Starts with like just play, tinkering, or tinkering around on a piano. And then he adds a little drum. And then he adds a little. And it's fascinating. The guy's so prolific. And he doesn't mind sitting there. And, and he's sitting in his house. His kids are bothering him during it. And he's a good dad because he's like, you know, kids come over and he's like, okay, honey, uh, let me show you how to do that. Like he knows he's being watched by fans, but. He does take time for the kids. He's a, a pretty perfect human being, I guess. Um, uh, well, Dan Reynolds. Um, are you sure he's not doing that? So you think he's a good dad? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like if I, I'm a good dad when people are watching. Absolutely. <laughs> My kids will tell you I'm perfect when others are. Yes, sweetheart. I'll show you how to do that. That's right. Daddy um, never raises his voice or ignores you. <laughs> speaking of music, Robin, I was uh, noticing there's a trend. I see it on Instagram all the time. There's a series of clips, and I don't mean a series. I mean a, uh, a, a tsunami of clips of hot chicks, super hot women, young women, playing guitar tsunami. Or, dr or drums really, really well. Like, I mean, almost on a masterful level, but they're always like no bra and their titties are kind of like flopping around jiggling. under their That's the jiggling. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like they're serious musicians. Jitties. But I guess in order to get people to notice them, they have to be hot. And like, so they're practicing their guitar and they're either in like short shorts or panties or like uh, titty, titty, tittylicious <laughs> tops. And I like watching it because. It's it's well, just of course you do. <laughs> well, I do and I don't. You know, I'm one of those guys. I always like to watch um, dudes with their guitars because I pretend I'm, a, you know, Dude. I am a cool guy. I'm in the Rolling Stones or I'm in the in the band, the Beatles or something. And but, that's uh, why these girls have to take off their tops or right. sit in their Jeez. panties because you only want to see guys. Say panties. <laughs> panties. <laughs> 
Panties. 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 Titties, panties, you name it. Panties. I was just reading that um, Kamala's uh, Harris's stepdaughter appeared on a runway uh, bare-breasted. Yes. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> because, Jitties. you know, that's how you get noticed. That's called modeling. Absolutely. Jitties. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, hot chicks playing the guitar, look, look out for that. I, I, you know, and it's amazing too. Um, you know, back in the day, the, the rock guitarist domain, except for a couple of bands like, uh, Joan Jett, Hart, you'd see, uh, it was mostly dudes. And once in a but while, you see a woman. Why was that, Howard? Dude. Why was that? Uh, uh, Robin, I'm, uh, just merely pointing it out. I, uh, I hold nobody back from practicing guitar. Um, but, but the world uh, did. The world did not recognize. Yeah, like I so. remember when I saw David Bowie at the birthday show, he had this very attractive woman playing the bass. Remember her with the shaved yeah. head? I oh, liked yeah. her. And uh, I was like, hmm, look good for Bowie. But now, nowadays, you're seeing a lot more women with the guitar. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly's new guitarist, Sophie Lloyd. She's a hot guitar chick. Uh, famous from social media, I guess maybe he found her on there. One of these mm. panty or titty. He was out there uh, trolling with you. And, oh, this girl I want in my band. Yeah. Panties. Here's trivia for you. Who is Bowie? What's the name of that very attractive woman who played the bass for David Bowie? Go ahead, Robin. Uh, a little bit of rock trivia for you. That's not fair. <laughs> I know you're a big <laughs> proponent of women and, and uh, that you're is a not girl's fair. girl. <laughs> um, her name is Gail Ann, and the last name is Dorsey. Gail Ann Dorsey. That's I was that never going to come come up with that. <laughs> and as long as we're celebrating women, Robin, who, I mean, okay, this is my opinion. I think one of the best uh, guitar performers out there now, you know, singer, writer. Her. There you go. Ah, now you yeah. redeemed yourself. Her. H-E-R. <laughs> Her. Yeah, I'm like the person um, who doesn't wait for Alex to finish his question. Good for you. You're smart. Get your answer in quick before anyone else. Her. Yeah, why should I let these schlubs <laughs> have a chance? I find her a hot chick who can play that well. Uh, you know, hey, let's celebrate her. Now, Nancy Wilson was a hot chick who played guitar. Yeah. Um, you she know, could sing, too. Could sing, do it all. Very, very talented woman. Uh, speaking of um, of uh, other things yeah. than hot titty rock, I'm talking uh, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth now. It, you know, I said to my you, buddy you yesterday. You hate, hated this royalty, but boy, you're obsessed with it now. I said to my buddy, it's like Weekend at Bernie's. It's like that body has been doing more now than it did in the last 10 years of its actual Certainly life. Certainly doing more than you. <laughs> oh, my God. That Queen Elizabeth body has been traveling everywhere. And she is having a party. A bunch of good-looking dudes were carrying her around the other day. And it's just a celebration. The funeral, the Queen's funeral began uh, Monday. While our show was just beginning. Yeah, it was 11 a.m. English yes, time. That's correct. And, uh, you know, I came on the air and I commented on some of the things. And, you know, uh, Trump, again, I, I'm at odds with him. I, I do not like his presidency and I don't like what he stands for. And I don't like this QAnon. I don't like any of it. But uh, he tweeted out he was very upset that Joe Biden was in the 14th row. This is what he's busy with. 
Oh, my goodness. Um, He's counting he was, rows. <laughs> well, you know, one of the biggest embarrassments of his presidency, in my opinion, out of all the embarrassments, was when Donald went overseas and there was a meeting of NATO and they were going to take a group picture and he like blustered and barreled his way to the front. He had to mm. be in the front. He thinks that's important. He's strong. He's a strong man, a strong leader. And he doesn't stand behind French presidents and the Canadian prime minister. He is, you know, he's the man. And I thought to myself, you know, uh, here he is tweeting. It's this shows you our country is weak. Biden sits in the 14th row. And, you know, I thought to myself, this is the stupidity that I woke up to every morning. And yeah. You know, I've often said when I go to a Nick game, I want to sit in the front row. Shows me where I am in show business. And of course, uh, I'm half joking, but not really. But when it comes to the leader of the free world, you're talking about the United States, the last bastion, really, the, gl the glowing light in the sky of democracy with a constitution where the people get to vote, where there isn't a Vladimir Putin or a President Xi. The president of the United States to go to England. Now, first, if you know anything about these royal funerals, the first couple of rows are for the royal family. That's how it goes. And then to turn on the TV and see President Biden sitting behind the leader of Poland, like, in other words, a row behind him. Mm -hmm. It says to the world, yes, we're the United States. Yes, we could wipe you off the planet. We know that. But like a secure adult, we sit among all of you we don't we're not blustery it's not important to be in the front row we know we're the number one nation in the universe we know we can blow you off the map but here we are sitting with our friends honoring the queen and my ego isn't so big that i have to sit in front of the leader of poland in fact i'm going to allow him <clears throat> this moment to see the Queen's funeral better than I can. Confident people and a confident country doesn't need to have their president sit in the front and, and bluster his way to the front. Beth needs you? Oh, thank you, oh. honey. Okay. Now, uh, Beth, I was supposed to leave my phone with her. Oh. And she came down and got my phone. But what I'm saying is it was so comforting to me to see the president of the United States not push his way to the front. We don't Did you need notice to do he that. hadn't pushed his way to the front, or you just noticed he was there? Just said, oh, how nice. The president's there. Yeah. He's there honoring the queen. That's Biden knows. For. Yeah. It's not it's not about Biden right now. It's not about, you know, which country is the greatest, whether we're better than Poland. We know we're certainly a superpower. Wherever they sat him, they sat him. It's not it's unimportant. That's not what I'm after in a leader. I like but a you leader know what? who. Who is in the second line to that uh, aggression in Ukraine? It's Poland. That's right. They're very close to the action. They're taking in a lot of people. They are on the front line, essentially, in the support of Ukraine. So honor them. Say, yeah. there's the there's my good friend, the president of Poland, uh, who's sitting in front of me. You see, this is the nonsense that I'm talking about. It's babyish bullshit is what it right. is. Right. There you go.
babyish bullshit. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for that <laughs> again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, um, I was saying the queen, though, forgetting where Biden sat, which is irrelevant. But uh, they're putting her on parade. Her body was moved all over England. They she had visited in, every part. <laughs> there was one woman on TV I saw. I got a clip of this woman. British woman says, uh, seeing the Queen's cast, she waited. Evidently, I think she was the last woman online in the queue. They uh -huh. call a line a queue. Yeah. And uh, she says, Jesus, you know, this was the greatest moment to view the Queen's body. Better than when my better than my children being born. Wow. Yeah, li listen to this. With me now, Sarah and Mark, who were, if not the last people, very much the last people. Yeah, we were in the queue last night. What, what was that like? Amazing. It's the I think it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Even having my my children, Lily and Luca, <laughs> I think this tops that. Yeah, me me wow. me. Me, 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 twat wasn't bleeding when I saw the queen. And when I had Lily and Luca, Le me twat, they tore me apart. <laughs> me, me, clam was uh, on fire. <laughs> oh, your clam was on fire? Yeah. And when I saw the queen, me clam was happy. <laughs> but that's <laughs> wild. Yeah. Standing yes. in line and just walking by a box was the best thing she's ever done. Seeing the royal body be clam. She didn't see any body. That coffin was closed. You stop it, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Just even see it was closed. You don't get to view the body. I thought you got to see stop. the queen. No, no, no. She's not stop. sitting up uh, waving like she used to. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, you know, remember when heads of state lay, uh, they usually you they, can view you the body. They sometimes do open the coffin, but hers was never Hers open. was closed. I see. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I did not know. Oh, you're kidding. I would never. You mean to They're tell me. They're walking by a closed box. Oh, my. That I don't understand. <laughs> now my clam is drying up. <laughs> wow. I am uh, I am not a fan of royalty or any king or queen. I love America because we don't have a king and queen. For me, it's perfect. I I couldn't deal with that bullshit. You know the getting, way we carry on, though. You think we missed it? You know, like it, wow, we didn't get a king or queen. Well, listen, when America received its freedom after uh, the 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 Revolutionary War, um, they wanted to get the, the, most of the morons in this country. Again, we have a <laughs> lot of morons. They went and fought with England, and then what did they do? Right after the big war, where so many people lost their lives against England, they said, "Well, let's make George Washington king," and he said, "You shitheads, you stupid <laughs> morons." We're going to have democracy. You're going to be the king and queen if you want to be. We're going to give you the votes. There should never be. That's what we just fought about, you dummies. And this is what the problem is. As much as I love America, we got to we got to allow the dummies their vote. Those you just dummies make... had other dummies. That's what happened. They kept having dummies. <laughs> so for those of you who have some semblance of intelligence, I'm going to remind you, register to vote. Um, when people say to me, well, what can we do? I can't do anything. I'm going to say it. Vote. Today is National Voter Registration Day. Take 30 seconds. 30 seconds. You can get it done. Register to vote. Check your registration status or find a registration event near you. Visit nationalvoterregistrationday.org. National Voter Registration Day. 
Gestapo.org and get rid of morons. Like that Mar- Marjorie <laughs> Taylor Greene. She called the Gestapo gazpacho. I mean, well, well, it's like having an imbecile uh, represent people. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And if you're, and if you're an imbecile, and you know I've spelled out what an imbecile is in today's world, do not register to vote. Only yeah, keep saying of, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah, there's two things you can do: either register to vote or not register to vote. <clears throat> but uh, look. The, the same dummies who wanted George Washington to be a king are the same dummies today. It's about 40% of the country who want, uh, they want uh, a Vladimir Putin. They want Nazism. They want Vladimir Putin. They want a, a, an authoritarian leader. They want an end to democracy. I heard the um, most disturbing thing this weekend on um, Bill Maher's show. He, I think, read a statistic that said, you know, like 39% of the the far right want a dictator yeah. and like 31% or 20 something percent of the left far yes. left want a dictator this is what's going on this is what's going on and this is how Crazy. the country will blow up oh but I don't know what's going on in this country. It's just getting stupider and stupider. The more education we give people, they get dumber. Well, we're not giving a lot of education. You know that. We took things like history and um, what was the course that taught you about the government of the country? What was that called? I forget. Civics. We took those out of the curriculum. Right. So we don't even talk about what democracy is in school. We don't talk about the Constitution. Well, I, you know, I used to sit at the feet of my father. And let me tell you, he had athlete's foot. It was not pleasant. But I would sit at the feet of my father and uh, he would tell me what the world was like and why his parents came to this country. Uh, No one was looking for them, but uh, they came to this country for one reason. Freedom. Freedom. It didn't exist anywhere. America was freedom. And what did it mean, freedom? You didn't have to wake up every morning and go into hiding against the, the government. and the oh, government. It wasn't even a government. You know, it was, uh, it was pogroms. It was, it was crazy shit going on. Everywhere you turned, you were, you were, you were under siege. You're using siege. this term pogroms like everybody Pogroms. <laughs> well, let me say what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, like this is a radio program. Uh, where you can tune in and listen. Anything where you can listen. Anyway. the um, And by the way, there's a lot being made of the queen picked the music for her own funeral. And I'll play you some of the tunes she chose. She had a oh. weird taste in music. And one of the, you know, instruments she loved the most. Do you know what that was? Because they kept Bag saying Bagpipes. Yes. Yes. In fact, the Queen's personal bagpiper, and now you say, what, what does she need a personal bagpiper? Every morning she woke up to bagpipes. This is, listen to the party this woman was having. Now, first she of all, had a human alarm clock. Yes, she did. She didn't want an alarm <laughs> she, My mother would have liked that because my mother can't figure out how to work her alarm clock. <laughs> Why the Queen would want, like, if I was the Queen, I wouldn't want to be woken up by anybody. I'll sleep till I want. And then when I wake up, I'll wake up naturally. I don't even have to be up. And, um, and then, um, anyway, the, the, the queen's personal bagpiper played 
And this is what she woke up to every morning. That's the tune-up. <laughs> That'll get you out of bed. <laughs> what a nightmare. What a what horrible an instrument. Have this as one of the sounds you could wake up to. Because it's too horrible. <laughs> I mean, what a horrible instrument. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. But uh, that's how, you know how you know somebody was born in the 19, what it was, the 1920s or something? The, 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 this is her song. This is a. Um, she chose this. It's called the anthem. She liked it. She DJed her own funeral. Good for her. Yeah, I told you and she picked everything. Let me see. I got another clip here. Good for this you. Is... Good for you. Good for you. Here are the state trumpeters with their hit "Reveille." You know what that's like? Uh, I mean, not that, but you know what it's like? They, it, that would be perfect in a movie, Superman movie. General Zod is almost the ruler of the planet. He's got Superman without powers. He's almost dead Superman. General Zod is about to rule the country like, you know, how people want a, a strong ruler, a strong leader. And uh, all of a sudden, Superman tricks Zod. And now Zod has lost all of his superpowers, and Superman comes rising up. Zod! I tricked you! Nice try! And then he kicks Zod's ass. To the Phantom Zone with you, Zod. You cunt. Right? That Absolutely, would, that... it's perfect. Perfect soundtrack. Robin admitted, I could have been a director, a great director. Uh, you I... certainly could have been a more music coordinator. <laughs> you just proved that. Wow. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, too. You know, by the way, I have not but forgotten. But that's also how you become royal. You have all this pomp and circumstance around you. Yes. You know, certain music plays when you enter a room. All these things puff you up. Yep. Uh, somehow 21 years. Uh, one of the things when, you know, like you look, see that coffin as it's going around. I got a good look at it yesterday and the crown was sitting on a pillow. Yes. Like the crown can't even just touch the box. That's right. <laughs> the crown That's right. has to sit on a pillow. Uh, Robin, somehow 21 years after 9 11, shit still happens. Um, so the manager of a country club in Virginia had to apologize for the special 9-11 menu. 9-11 menu? He made a 9-11 menu. I don't think the guy meant disrespect, but it came off disrespectful. What's on a 9-11 menu? Like I a, am uh, sorry. You can see here, remember teeny, a remember teeny, which is a cocktail. Uh, a martini that uh, makes you remember? Right. And uh, here I'll show. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I mean, the, I'm reading the menu and the different things on it. Um, 
Flight 93 redirect crab dip. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Crazy. He he really didn't think this through. Well, what it sounds like is what maybe Al-Qaeda would make a menu to celebrate yeah. 9-11. Yeah. You're out to dinner and you're having the what? The crab dip that's uh, redirect 93? Flight, <laughs> Flight 93 redirect crab dip or the remember teeny. All right, I'm going to give you a quiz, Robin. I'm going to mention real items from the menu and fake items from the menu. Right. You tell me which is real, which is fake. <laughs> Did the menu feature 9-11 oysters? 9-11 oysters. No. Wrong. On the menu was 9-11 oysters. Oh, that's the... Oh, again. All right, Robin. Jet fuel can't melt steel bean dip. No. No, you're right. No. <laughs> okay, the falling tower of fries. Are you kidding? Are you I'm, kidding me? They, they just, did that? I'm asking you, was that on the menu or is that a fake menu item? All right, I'm going to say that was real. The falling tower of fries is fake. It's fake. That's not oh, real. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, okay. Oh. All right, how about this? Pentagon pie. Pentagon pie. <laughs> Was that real, Howard? Is it real? I think that, is real. Real. <laughs> that is real. That is real. That is real. First responder flatbread. Real or fake? I'm going to say that's real. It is real. He oh. had flat, <laughs> flatbread. First responder. All right, second plane Sunday, second plane Sunday. We all know on 9-11, the second yeah. plane, yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to say that's fake. That is fake. They, they didn't have that. Uh, you all know, right. I'm, I'm so scared for this person. Can this person now show his face in his community? All right, listen to this. Osama bin Latkes. <laughs> Latkes. That's not real. That's not real. You're right. Osama bin Latkes. <laughs> All right. Freedom Flounder. Freedom Flounder. On the menu Freedom for 9-11. Right. I'm going to say that was real. That is real. Uh. Okay. Box Cutter Burger. Box cutter burger, you know that the guy, the yes! terrorists use box cutters. That was their weapon. Right on the menu, box cutter burger. Box cutter burger was there. No, no, that's a fake one. <laughs> we, we tricked you with that. All right, how about the never forget sampler? The never forget sampler, a variety of items. Well, they got the remember martini, right? Right. Or the remember teeny. I'm gonna say the sampler was there too. That's right. That was real. Yeah. George W. Collada. <laughs> Get out of here. That wasn't no. there. <laughs> they did have a bunch of drinks. All right. True or false, Robin? They had a bunch of drinks called Thirst Responders. Thirst oh, Responders. Real or fake? disgusting. Real or fake? Thirst Responders. Real. Fake. Okay. I got uh. you with that one. <laughs> what a, by the way and he had to apologize the guy the manager that. yeah the manager posted the following statement on facebook my <laughs> intention was to bring attention to that horrific day 21 years ago 
to honor those who lost so much as well as those who gave everything that day. We will have a new theme tomorrow. And short and true to his word, the 9-11 menu was replaced with a football-themed menu. All rebranded items, including field goal, flatbread, and hot defense dip. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah, so, stick to football names. There you go. <laughs> well, he meant well, you got to say. Yes, that. Gilbert, it was too soon, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the uh, the football theme. The, the, the uh, concussion mimosas are terrific. Uh, you'll love it. No um, remembrance, Teeny. <laughs> there is something going on that I must report on, Robin, that um, is, uh, I feel sad in a way. You know, a Motley Crew was a big band, and I mean, they made a lot of money. Tommy Lee now has an OnlyFans site where you can see his penis. It turns out, Tommy Lee of Motley Crew, you know, the guy's almost 60 years old. He evidently uh, posted on Twitter or one of the services his cock. He got in big trouble, and that inspired him to go to OnlyFans for $40 a month. He is free. Tommy says he is free. No, he's he not. Can... He's $40 a month. <laughs> no, he's free to show his penis on OnlyFans. And, Why um, does he want to show his penis so much? You know what? Uh, Mike Trainer, who's a real uh, company man, he paid the 40 bucks. He wanted to see what was going on. There was evidently a thousand Mike Trainers out there in the whole country who paid 40 bucks to see Tommy Lee and what he was up to. Yeah, a little and, over a thousand. I, I did <laughs> kind of I wanted I was concerned about consumers. I want to make sure they were getting a good value. So we signed up and uh, the content is sparse. It's kind of like if you've never seen OnlyFans, it's like an Instagram account that you've paid money to look at. And it's there, you get like two or three posts a day. And sometimes he posts his dick. Sometimes he posts his balls. Uh, he reached How a are thousand the balls. They're, they're balls. They're, they Is all he, kinda... you know, it looks to me, if I, I got to say, Tommy Lee for a 60 year old guy, he's got a pretty good physique. I mean, he's not fat. Yeah. And uh, 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 the dick is big, right? It's a big it's penis. Big. I mean, and we knew that. We knew that for 30 years or whenever that yeah, came out. Yeah, we've already seen his dick, yes. Is there yeah. anything, Mike, is there anything you can report on that is new? In other words, what, <laughs> is, is the penis in a new position? Is it uh, well, featured in someone else's mouth? What, what, what do we see? It's got to be hard to innovate new things here. Um, but he, when he reached a thousand subscribers, he drew two little eyes on his dickhead, uh, to make his, uh, dick look like a person, I guess. That was right. how he celebrated that. And then he also yesterday, um, uh, sent out a picture of his load on his stomach. And, oh. uh, that was gross. Well, let me I ask was... you about that. Hold on <laughs> a second. The load, was it a Sal big load or was it a Benji little load? What, what is Tommy Lee's load now at this point? It is, more on the Benji side of things. It is not a large oh. load. It was a smaller load. Um, maybe where is a lot it? of sex. Where it's is on his it? stomach. So Tommy Lee posts out a picture on OnlyFans of his load on his stomach. And this is when he declared, I'm finally free to show this kind of thing, right? Yeah. This is what he's, and, yeah. and there's this lots of people commenting. Been... Yeah, that's yeah. what he's been doing. And people are, want to see him actually have sex. There's comments like, when are we going to see this dick in action, man? I don't think he's right. going to do that. <laughs> Uh, I don't think he's going, he's actually looking to be in pornography. Um, and you know, this was kind of funny for me, but then once I saw the load picture, I was like, all right, 
I tapped out. I got <laughs> right out. up to the yeah. That's, <laughs> did you much. did you uh, unsubscribe or whatever you I do? did? I, and by the way, the show's reimbursing me for that. So we the 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 show has uh, has given Tommy Lee forty dollars, not myself. So uh, but, so yeah. the, the so Tommy Lee's feed was funny until you saw the load on his stomach, and then he got, and then you were like, "I'm out, I'm out." That's, that's very real. I know. I, I we've I when I saw the the load on on the hat too, it was a similar reaction. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, what about uh, what about the, this report that there was a picture of Tommy Lee had a rash on his back from fucking on a rug? Was that a, yes, an exciting he, thing to say? He had, I guess. I mean, yeah, he had a rug burn on his back from sex, and he put that out. He also, I think he went through like his his iPhoto history and found anything with nudity. He put a picture of his butt with a bruise on it, and he said it was when a pig bit his ass on a vacation nice. somewhere in the Caribbean. So yeah, he's just like really scraping the bottom of the barrel. He's only been doing this a few weeks, and it seems like he's running out of things to show you. Uh, so I wish him luck. It's it's hard to keep subscribers. I mean, uh, SiriusXM knows there's a thing called churn. I think he's losing a lot of people. Well, yeah, you know, he people. shouldn't have started with the dick. This is the thing. He right, should well, have worked his way there. Hey, listen, yeah. Robin, he, he, <laughs> you got to give the people what they want. Uh, Chris Wilding, as a gay man, would like to comment. He has seen the pic. How have you seen the pictures? Did you subscribe as well, Chris? No, uh, because I've never in my time working here seen Mike Trainer more incensed by a story. He created a group <laughs> chat. Where day and night he would post these pictures, whether we wanted to see them or not. And mm -hmm. I have to tell you, there was nothing on there that turned me on. There what was about nothing the dick? On there. Was it big? Listen, he's got a big dick, but he, ha right. he he is not shooting his dick properly. You asked about the balls. I don't know, Howard. He won't show the balls. Sometimes he just squeezes certain segments of the dick like he's sending it to like a doctor to make sure it's okay. It's not sexy. <laughs> it's not hot. It's not For hot. For $40, I'll tell you, when that kid Aaron Carter was doing his videos, that was sexy. That was right. hot. He had right. a great load. I haven't seen this load from Tommy, but I have no doubt with uh, what, what what Mike is saying. It's probably, um, you know, old a little and respect, Chris, A little respect, uh, Tommy Lee, one of the best drummers around, right? We, you got to respect his drumming, mm -hmm. and uh, of course, you know, all right, he, maybe he fell on hard times. Like, why is he doing this for the? Uh, I mean, I thought Tommy Lee was a very wealthy guy. From uh, they're still touring. Uh, they make they're playing money. stadiums right now, and it's forty dollars. That's not a joke amount of money. It's a lot, a lot more than the average OnlyFans account. I found a website that said it was like seven dollars is what the average OnlyFans subscription is, and this is forty. That's more than like any streaming service. <laughs> you know, it's well, a monthly recurring thing. That's crazy. Forty bucks. Uh, you should at least see the inside of his asshole, not just the ass cheeks. Oh, uh, sure. No, you're yeah, right. right. And the yeah, other right. thing is, he's some of the best pictures I saw were from his Twitter. You can't give that away free on Twitter if you're going to charge forty dollars for the OnlyFans. You have Don't to you give the best commend... stuff to OnlyFans. By the way, Mike Trainer, one of the hardest working guys in show business, <laughs> he booked a uh, Sirius XM conference room without windows to view the OnlyFans with other yes. people. Yes, I don't think anyone guy. showed up. But then I realized <laughs> there wasn't a lot of content. I could just send it out. I wanted everyone to be informed, Chris. When they, I wanted them to brief Howard on this, so I wanted them to know what we're talking about. I've never seen you like that. Not for I like this about movies. everything. By the I way, love, the, no, the former the former CEO of Sirius XM Pandora Stitcher and various other companies, Jim Meyer, is on the phone. I haven't spoken to Jim in a long time. No. Uh, Jim, good to hear from you. You were a fabulous CEO. What do you say? Hot, 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 
I'm in Aruba with Buffett and Bezos right now. Send me that OnlyFans password. We want to see that big dumb cock. Well, there you go. Mike, send that to Jim Meyer. He's on I'll pass vacation. it on. All right. Yeah. Good for you. Well, there you go. Uh, Tommy Lee with a platinum I don't type. think he needs money, does he? I don't know. I don't know what Mike. What's going, uh, Mike? I, I don't know. You have to ask him. But I mean, it's uh, if you don't need money, you, you shouldn't be charging more than anyone else on that site. Uh, it's a big, a big amount of money, and I, I think he has over a thousand people. I don't know the exact number. They kind of hide that from you on the site, but uh, it's a decent amount of money, even if you you have his cash. He needs better well, angles, is what he needs on that. Well, cock. I'm looking at this picture. I mean, it's forty dollars a month. I, I do see his cock. Uh, being manipulated by fingers, uh, but uh, forty bucks but is a lot own? of money. I, I don't fingers? know. I, I don't know what's going on in these pictures. But uh, all right, there it is. That's something I need to report on. The other thing I do want to report on this morning, and maybe you guys know something about this, but uh, I got a report from my sources that uh, last Thursday, Ronnie, Ronnie the limo driver, drank ten gin and tonics while watching football. Wow. Which is somewhat alarming. Ronnie started drinking at 2.30 in the afternoon that day in a bar. And uh, reactions are coming in all over from our staff. What? what, what? Says here, uh, Sal and Mike, Mike Trainer, were laughing. And Will and Mike Fox were sad. <laughs> so uh, there you go. There's some people... Um, I Love feel Ronnie, you know, Ronnie retired, and I feel like uh, he's drinking away his boredom. Yeah. I mean, at his age, to have 10 gin and tonics, that's a lot of sugar and a lot. Right, Robin? I mean, honestly. Why do you need 10 of them? Yeah. Ronnie. Well, this is, you're drunk. Okay. You're drunk. <laughs> Ronnie, give me a report. No, all seriousness, what's going on? I'm concerned. 10 gin and tonics. Why not yeah, but two was, or three? No, it was within... Like 12 hours. Right. Ever heard of water? Yeah, I've heard of water. Yes, the That's tonic. what you drink when you're oh, thirsty. Okay. Tonic okay, water. Right. <laughs> That's what a woman bathes her snatch in. Water. Exactly. It was throughout the day. It wasn't like... Dude, what do you do and all day on a... Can I ask you something? I was curious about you. I was talking about you to someone the other day. And I said, you know... I really, you know, I, I'm in touch with Ronnie. We talk on the phone and stuff. And Ronnie's very happy in Vegas. He loves it. But what do you, like, what's your typical day? Not a day where you're drinking 10 gin and tonics, but like you no, wake that's, up. That, that's not something I do every day. Come on. On it a was, day we that. Were, I was out on, with 20 people and we were having oh a good God. time. And it was you all party day, hard. You party night. hard. I mean, you, it started you party, at 2.30. It started at 2.30 in the afternoon and didn't get home till like 3 in the morning. So it wasn't like it. We had dinner out and everything. It was it was just like an all day affair. You don't get do you, tired of that. Twenties uh, of the same people all the fucking day. Yeah, we had a good we had a good time. Okay, is something wrong with that? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Ron. This is my point about Ronnie. You know, I I was on a plane with Ronnie for six hours, and he just stared out the window like he doesn't have yeah. a lot of interest. So I think when people get together. It's like he doesn't want That's to let a go great of it. Time, yeah. yeah. But you know, I was thinking about ten gin and tonics. Uh, uh, Amy Winehouse didn't drink that much, okay? And uh, you know where she is. So you say uh, you got to go to rehab, Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stop it. <laughs> but but Ron, yeah. what do you and do? You know Let's what? say on I a day that was two. That was um, 
Uh-oh. the first day the first day of football okay right oh that's different. that was thursday night a week i guess it was a week ago over a week ago yeah. why did you get together had... at two thirty? because the game starts here at uh five o'clock oh uh, so everybody everybody <laughs> met up at two thirty, three o'clock whatever and uh yeah we hung out all night you know people and that we seen... too because I heard uh, people who went to your house, the weed is unbelievable what goes on now. I didn't know you were that into weed, but you have it labeled, and it's all like, it's almost like a store. How you yeah, we, have a, we have a whole cabinet that uh, different kinds of shit. Right. And uh, so, Ron, was there yeah. weed involved on the drinking day or just no, drinking? No, Just drinking. Yeah. Now, on a typical day, when you're not, you know, doing our radio show or something, let's say on a Thursday what time do you get up, and then what do you do for the whole day? Like, what's uh, your day? Let's let's see. Like, say on Thursday, uh, get up at I don't know whenever I decide to wake up around seven, probably six thirty-seven. Okay. Uh, get up, take care of the dog if Stephanie's not awake yet. Right. You know, uh, and then do stuff around the house, run errands, whatever. Uh, work out, hang out in the pool. Okay. Have dinner and go to sleep. Watch That's TV. The day. TV. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think he's. In bored. other words, nothing. I'm not yeah. bored. <laughs> Please, I'm not bored. People that have seen Ronnie say he has like a bit of a wobble now, like he's getting older. I think he's just drunk. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Town's a bad influence on you, Ronnie. Yeah, I have yeah. a wobble. I have a wobble. Yeah. What's your workout? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I work out with some weights and treadmill yeah. and stuff like that. Nothing crazy. Squats. I could do right. a lot of squats, a lot of ass exercises. So when Stephanie puts that dildo in my ass, it's, it doesn't fall out. <laughs> yeah. I do. Um, I do have a little Peanut, bit of. Peanut, fetch um, the lube. I do have Ronnie uh, smoking weed. I got a little bit of that. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's become a bit of a pothead. Since retiring, no, just uh, every, you know, maybe on the weekends or whatever, once in a while. It's not constant. I don't, I don't know what you guys are filling. Ronnie says, filling your, I don't know what people are filling your. I'm getting reports. A dude, yeah, ten I know, fucking gin and tonics. Yeah, ten okay, gin and tonics. Okay, is crazy. Jason's been here. Jason was here for one fucking night, and now you're reporting on everything I do. That's <laughs> I do that every day because Jason and Blit were here one night. All I talked about, Ronnie, was the incredibly organized, beautiful weed uh, drawer that you have, or I'm sorry, cabinet, or whatever that is there. Okay, good. Well, Ronnie, it's, it's, well, it's Ronnie has all day to organize his fucking weed, <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. clearly. Yeah, well, that's why, that's why I retired, okay, to organize weed. <laughs> okay. Ronnie, Ronnie reports to us that weed mellows him out and makes his penis tingle. <laughs> it does. Um, uh, John Blitt. Our correspondent interviewed Hi Ronnie. I thought you guys would be interested in this. And I'll give you some highlights from their 90-minute conversation. Um, 90 now, minutes. Right. Now, this is why Ronnie might have a problem. Before he lit up, Ronnie was his typical grouchy self. But he mellowed out as soon as the smoke <laughs> and coughs cleared out his lungs. So, you know, this is it. What's the fan for? Yeah, well, they, they made me close the fucking shade. It's open. The window's open. All right, turn this stupid thing on then. See? You see how grumpy he is? 
Put the fan on. Yeah. Mm, 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 oh, no. they, they were complaining there was too much light. <laughs> What's the fan for? Yeah, well, then they made me close the fucking shade. It's open. The window's open. All right, turn this stupid thing on then. That's low. You want to go higher? Put it on high and then face it towards the window. No, the window's over here. Are you going to pick up the sound? Yeah, we need it. Never mind. What? Never mind. <coughs> I choke on this shit. <coughs> 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 <laughs> you know what they say, you have to cough to get off. <laughs> so you, you love smoking weed, right? <laughs> yeah. Except it, uh, the only thing I, I choke on, bro. <coughs> once, I'm once I'm done choking, it's fine. Oh, man. I got my glasses here. We're like, we're, on, we're, we're, uh, we're tripping here with these fucking glasses. See? <laughs> what? Let me tell you something. By the way, for you kids out there listening, if you think weed is cool, does, does that sound like fun, what Ronnie just did? <laughs> well, I, got, I got to admit, dude, I sound like Jeff the Drunk on that fucking tape. Yeah. You, can't, you can't smoke properly. You shouldn't be coughing that much, Ronnie. It's like a reefer madness thing, like you know, like what they used to say weed did a long time ago. Right. Once what Ronnie's were you delivering the weed to yourself with. Oh, it's all pre-rolled. They're like cigarettes. I see. Oh, nice. All right. Once Very Ronnie's cool. bu once Ronnie's buzz set in, John Blit asked him what advice he would give to his 13-year-old self. They got Ronnie talking a bit. If you could go back in time and give your you know, your 13-year-old self advice. What would you tell your 13-year-old self? Oh, dude. Fuck as many girls as you can, dude. That's what I would tell them. And I did that. So so I, I, check one, Mark. Before you're fucking married, man, you should do your deal, man. Get it out of your system. If you can go back in time and give 20-year-old Ronnie one piece of advice, what would you tell 20-year-old Ronnie? Same thing I told 13-year-old Ronnie. <laughs> What's that? I don't remember. <laughs> no idea, pal. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, so the big takeaway is Ronnie's um, revelation, or or, or is is uh, just fuck, fuck. Everything yeah. is fucking. Everything yeah. is fucking. Yeah. No, not everything. Ass eating is part of it too. Ball licking, <laughs> bukkake. <laughs> Dirty right. Sanchez, ass rubbing, motorboating, <laughs> and my favorite rim jobs. <laughs> Geezer madness. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> you know how they're saying, you know, the queen had all this wisdom because she lived so long? Yeah. Not Ronnie. <laughs> well, Ronnie has not changed. Like, I, I thought Ronnie might say. Arthritis in a clit. I thought Ronnie would have said, you know, maybe I would have paid attention more in school and, you know, I could have done this. I could have done. No, no, no. Just fuck. Get tons of pussy. That's it. <laughs> and, and, and you he know, did that. So he's yeah. still like sticking to that. That's the best advice. Yeah, exactly. I'm happy right where I'm at. Gotta well, Ronnie, deal, Ronnie got married very young. And I think what he's saying is maybe hold off and get more pussy. It's uh, time to, to get pussy. Well, uh, you're basically saying, Ronnie, you never got it out of your system. Nope. Right. So much semen, not. so did I guess not. <laughs> John uh, Blit asked Ronnie what he loves about weed. 
Ronnie responded by saying he believes a behind-the-scenes staff member has a big penis. A behind-the-scenes staff member? <laughs> I'm all ears. Big penis. Yeah. What do you love about smoking weed? <laughs> you can't tell. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? He's a real good guy. He's got a. He's got. He's got a big cock. You think he has a big cock or no? We figured it out. What do you mean you figured it out? <laughs> Wait, but do you really think has a big cock or no? Yeah, hell yeah. Why do you think has a big cock? Oh man, I can't. I, I can't divulge my secrets. Oh boy. Wow. He can keep a there. secret with uh, <laughs> being high. That's a good thing to know. All right, I'll come forward. It was me he was talking about, I'm sure. <laughs> he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I believe it. You know what's I weird? I with you, Ronnie. What's some, people say, some people say weed expands their mind. And for Ronnie, it just kind of laser focuses his mind on cock. And, uh. and <laughs> lot of, you know what I mean? Like, like, it does the same thing to me. <laughs> I know. Ron, what's with the cock uh, stuff? What's going on there? I don't, you think I remember what he was, you know, you sit and talk to Blit for 90 minutes. It's like talking to a lunatic. I mean, the shit that he, the shit that he comes up with the questions. I mean, right. forget about it. It's insane. This is like, I deal with this every week with him, with this insane shit. It's for crazy. Those of you, for those of you who are fans of Ronnie, this is very revealing. I didn't know about this. And when Ronnie's high, uh, you know, he is a different Ronnie. Ronnie revealed. That his father once brought him to visit his mistress when Ronnie was a kid. This is a totally what? new story on me. Yes. Dude, I wasn't a kid. <laughs> oh, is that right? Sober Ronnie gets sober Ronnie gets really angry when discussing his father's infidelity, and I know that for a fact. But high Ronnie laughed through the whole story. He wow. loved it. So here is the difference what marijuana can do to you. It loosened Ronnie up and he talked about a very painful topic. Here we go. Your dad cheated on your mom. Oh, yeah. Did you know? Was it like a long term relationship with the other woman or no? Oh, yeah. So one day he says to me, <laughs> I want I want you to get in the car. We're going to go to Staten Island. I go, what? This was like because I, I was I was, you know, when this all happened, when he, you know, I was pissed off at him. What, he, what, he took you to Staten Island. And what did he do? <laughs> he took me to this chick's house. <laughs> I I get in the fucking house. I go, what is this shit? So uh, they, uh, yeah. So whatever. That's what happened. Why did he take you there? To introduce you or just? Yeah. Yeah. Because it all came out, you know, when he got caught. Was it hard? Like, how did you feel? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. All right. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> so how did you feel when you found out your dad was cheating on your mom? I, I didn't talk to him for five years. Yeah. Oh, they came to collect the garbage. You hear him? <laughs> it's cool. I like the sound of the city in the background. <laughs> dude, that's, that pot That pot really mellows you out, man. You're like a chill yeah. dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. You love everything. Totally. Oh, yeah. He's treating Blit like a therapist, and Blit is a, a genuine crazy person. He's not a real oh, therapist, Ronnie. He's Don't insane. Do that. No, he's yeah, Ronnie's insane. laughing. It's like, yeah, where's was your my dad, life? <laughs> was your dad's mistress hot? Was she, like, kind of hot? No. She was no. just young. Young. Just young. Younger. Yeah. Not young, young, but younger. So, like, so did she talk to you at all or anything? Or, like, oh, you yeah, just yeah. She, you know, she, 
try to, you know, give me some food and shit. Like, you know, I'm sitting at the kitchen table and like it, when it, you was, it was so fucking weird, dude. And I when wasn't a kid. How old? How old were you? Uh, 56. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about this for a second. Probably 19, 20. Yeah. Wow. 19. So he got busted. He got caught with his mistress. Your mom figured shit out. He was busted. She tells you. He's got to tell you. And his answer was to drive you over to mistress's house so you could meet her. Yeah, hopefully that I'm gonna I'm gonna be her like best friend or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like turn on your mother. Did he say anything? Like you know, was he explaining why you know he was with her or or just your side, mommy? Yeah. She gives great blowjob. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I don't remember that part, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was very weird. Dude, that was not a good move on the old man's part, bringing you no. over to see meet the mistress. I mean, no, it's one thing no. if you said, "Hey, let me meet this broad that you're banging." But, well, then, uh, then eventually down the line, you know, you know, years down, a couple of years, three years, four years, uh. I was already fucking married and shit. Uh, like, they moved in together and, and then my father had one of his heart attacks and then he moved away to Florida. And, you know, when he got sick, I went to visit him and then, you know, I wound up seeing her and all that shit. And they, they had this like house in Florida and crap. And once in a while I would go visit, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't very comfortable. And I remember, because I was with you by then, you went down to visit, and then she ended up leaving him anyway, right? The new broad. Yeah, yeah. when he got, when he got like, um, his second heart attack, and they yeah. did his second bypass surgery, uh, she, she split, man. She, she, she got out of town. <laughs> wow. Yep. Were you like, hey, serves him right, or you felt bad for him? Well, he, well, here's what happened. I didn't know. Um, cause I, you know, I would keep in touch with him, but not that much. Right. I still wasn't on the greatest terms. I mean, I would talk to him and stuff, but not like, you know, I used to. Um, and then one night about midnight, my fucking doorbell rings and my father got in his car when he, she split town. He got in his car and he drove straight through from Florida to my house. And showed up at my house about midnight, ringing the doorbell, telling me that, uh, you know, she split town on him. She ran away with some fucking cop, uh, some shit like that. And she, but she was still in Florida, but it, it was a whole weird thing. And I said, well, hey, you got what you fucking deserve. What are you coming to cry on my doorstep? I got my own problems. And, uh, <laughs> it's not my problem that basically Patty left you. Basically, I threw him out. You know, but wow. then I felt, and then I, what happened was, it was like right around Christmas, New Year's time, and he, he was in, staying in New York somewhere. I forget where the hell he was staying, and I get a phone call New Year's Eve that he's in the fucking hospital in New York. He. he, he they thought he had a heart attack, but it wasn't. It was like anxiety and shit, I guess, from, um, you know, just leaving Florida, getting in a car, driving fucking 20 hours or whatever. And, and he fucked himself all up. 
So New Year's <laughs> Eve, I wound up in the fucking hospital. Hey, hey, hey. I'm surprised you even went to the hospital to go visit. Yeah, well, just, yeah I know. You felt bad. Although I remember yeah. toward the end of your dad's life, you were pretty involved. I mean, you, uh, yeah, you took well, care of him. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, he, he at that point, he was with some other chick. And, uh, yeah, new mommy. He, he, he was back, he was back in, he was back in Florida again. And, right. uh, yeah, I went, I went there. He had, a, he had another fucking, uh, heart issue again. So in Florida, they couldn't do anything for him. So I don't know. We got on the phone and we were making phone calls and we called the guy who invented, um, Heart surgery, open heart surgery, Dr. DeBakey. Yeah. 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 We got in touch with him, with his staff and everything. And they told him uh, not to get in a car, not to get on a plane, but to get on like, like get in a car or take a bus or whatever and, and come to Texas to the Texas Heart Institute. Yeah. And they were going to do all kinds of tests to see what they could do for him and everything. So I wound up flying out to Texas and... They did some. They did something to him. I forget. Oh, I I remember what they did. He he had like when you do when they did open heart surgery years ago, they would take vein. They had to take veins from your leg, and you know use them, you know, to get the heart working or whatever. I guess. So he the veins in his legs were fucking gone. Like they used everything they could from the other surgeries. So what they did was they took veins from somewhere around his back and they pulled them around and they got, they got, you know, they did like the third open heart surgery on him and he was all right for probably, let's see, probably another three or four years after that. Wow. But he was never, the, he was never the same. Like he, he was like very frail and couldn't do a lot and shit like that. And, uh, and then eventually they couldn't, you know. I'll tell you what. Do an, they couldn't do the anything. Uh, can I tell you yeah. something? The 10 yeah. gin and tonics are making more sense now. Mm -hmm. I get it. <laughs> I <Yeah>. need one. <laughs> she goes, 12. <laughs> he couldn't teabag anymore. Right. Yeah, he was a mess. Uh, I Ronnie can't believe. Very... Go ahead. I can't Go ahead. believe after the, uh, you know, after the girlfriend split, he was able to get himself another girlfriend. He was quite the coxman, your old man. Yeah, he got he got this other chick. Um, I, he was I, half he dead, met, and he got himself another chick. Yeah, That's yeah, good. yeah. He, yeah. he 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 met he met her at like this, um, like a like a social thing, you know, like in a church or some crap. <laughs> oh, you know, have geez. They, they a big sale. They have the, like, yeah. those get-togethers for you know yeah. singles, like older. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he met he met her there. And then uh, they got together, and then he wound up moving in with her in a different part of Florida. And, and she was nice. She was nice. You know, I, I liked her because she, she didn't do anything wrong, you know. Right. So I, right. I, I like. we used to go visit her and shit, you know, when I was married. We used to go visit, take the kids, the whole thing. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, he, he got sick again, and then he passed away. And then, like, so weird, like, he died in January. And then I got a call from her daughter probably three months later. She got cancer and died. Wow. Oh. That's terrible. Yeah, it was weird. It was very strange. Wow.
Well, there's the Ronnie story. Anyway, Boy, uh, did we you open could... a can of worms. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, I loved watching the puppet and... very seriously nod along to this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's right. The puppet remembers the whole thing just that just, same I way. I do. Ronnie puppet, same thing. To yell cunt. Like, just like, you know, when I yell day. You're right. Ronnie, what, Ronnie said puppet? cancer cunt. You're right. Okay. <laughs> she had cancer of the cunt, Ronnie puppet? Yeah, cancer oh, of the cunt. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, John uh, could tell the weed had fully kicked in when Ronnie said his head almost fell in a drawer, <laughs> and then he couldn't, and then he wouldn't shut up about ice cream. So here's high Ronnie. <laughs> I almost fell in the drawer. <laughs> My head almost fell in the drawer. How did your head almost fall in the drawer? I can't talk, man. <laughs> Can I go now? <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting hungry, man. I got, I want, I want to eat ice cream. Fucking cherry Garcia, man. Oh, love ice cream. It's good shit, man. Ice cream. Ben and Jerry's, man. This shit is so. They got the coolest fucking flavors with caram, caramel in the middle and chocolate, and covered with a layer of hot fudge, frozen hot fudge. Yes. Have you ever wow. had that? Well. <laughs> What's that voice you put on when you're high, yeah. dude? Dude, I don't know. It's like your love voice. Yeah, yeah. The ice cream. <laughs> I'm like a demented Cheech and Chong. <laughs> I'm, Cheech. I'm Cheech and Chong without the jokes. <laughs> yeah, although I wrote this joke when I was high. Knock, knock. Who's there? Weed. Weed. Oh. We'd like to see your tits, Robin. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Hi, well, Ronnie. I, I, I freak. I freak Stephanie out when I'm fucked up. Um, I bet. Like, you think? like we. Like, no, like we'll be sitting there. You know. Hey, you know, I'll, we'll be talking. Everything's yeah. cool. You know, right. I'm all fucked up and shit. And then we'll go to bed, and when I'm laying there in bed or something, and like I'll I'll have my head in the pillow, and I'll be like on my side. And she said to me, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And she says, "I like bury one eye in my in the pillow, so like you're laying like sideways like this with your head turned, <laughs> like, a, I have my, like this eye, the left eye buried in the pillow, but my right eye is sticking out." Just yeah. fucking staring at her, laughing. <laughs> uh, John asked Ronnie if he's stubborn. I, I, wait a minute. And, I just have to find out how many hits did Ronnie take to get that okay. messed up. Okay, I'll tell you. I never smoke a whole joint because mm -hmm. they're like cigarettes. They're, big, they're pretty big. Right. I'll probably take, like the other night, I guess it was sat yeah, Saturday night. Um. I just got in the mood to get a little fucked up, and I, I just take like two or three good hits, and that's it. And then I'll wow. put it out. That's it. Because that shit's strong. I mean, the, the 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 weed now is ridiculous. Yeah, but I I got this one this this one I love, man. It it's like it's it's like the one I smoked that day on the show. It's What's that, it called? That, that peanut butter one. I forget. I I don't know exactly what it's called. Stephanie goes. She buys it. She knows what it is. Um. It come. It comes in like these. Like, it looks like a little cigar tubes. It's yeah. all pre-rolled and it looks like like a nice cigarette. And I'll take two or three hits of that. And it's like you know, peanut butter, supposedly peanut butter flavored or whatever. I don't know, but it makes me 
laugh. My I can't stop laughing. When I was like, a little okay, kid, I was like shocked because I said, someday in the future, this shit's all going to be legal when my generation comes into power. And they're going to sell it like packs of cigarettes, you know? And and sure enough, here it is. I'm yeah, seeing it. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I, Did you see I, anything else, Howard? Anything that's all that I saw. Help us? It's the only <laughs> thing I saw that's really weird. Uh, John asked Ronnie while he was high if he's stubborn. Ronnie called his fiance Stephanie in to get her opinion. Uh, she was nice enough to bring him a glass of water, but I don't know. You know, Ronnie gets irritated all the time. Yeah. So here you go. Are you? You're not stubborn. Are you stubborn person? Oh. <laughs> Should I call her in? <laughs> Should I fucking call her in? <laughs> she wants to know if I'm stubborn. <laughs> Fuck yeah, he is. I'm a piece of shit sometimes. Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a bitch. You're a bitch? You are a bitch. What's that for? What do I need fucking water for? <laughs> Why are you bringing me water? <laughs> she thinks, what am I, stranded on a desert island? Yeah, I am. What was, now, what was that question you had? I don't know. <laughs> I'm asking you. Anyway, uh, there's. by the way, he fights less with his uh, fiance when he's high, which is good. Yeah. And it makes him a little, little more less oh, we aggravated. Don't fight. Stop, oh, stop it. it. You fight all the time. No, we don't. All the time. No, we don't. Why do you Here think you she created that cabinet? <laughs> it's to keep uh, you from yeah. yelling at her. Good point. Uh, according to the <laughs> weed website, Leaf Fly. Peanut butter gelato weed makes you feel relaxed, sleepy, and giggly. That's what I think you're on, Ron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the stuff, man. And so if we, learned, if we learned anything from this whole interview is that Ronnie loves ice cream. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Cunty Garcia. Cunty Garcia is his favorite. Yeah, Cunty Garcia is what I like. It's got That's skim good. milk, cherries, <laughs> and cunt. <laughs> well, my, fav my, my favorite my favorite is cherry vanilla, which is like cherry Garcia, but they get little chunks of chocolate. Pistachio. Oh, I love pistachio. Oh, I love pistachio. Uh, mint chocolate chip is pretty damn good, too. See, I don't like all these all the weirdo flavors all the time. Baskin Robbins, man, used to have coconut pineapple fucking ice cream. It was fucking amazing. This is what goes on. This is what goes on in Ronnie's head when he's hot. You're listening to the inside of his brain. Nice little cup, little sprinkles, some cherries, pineapples, and syrup. I fudge the hot caramel, hot caramel. I learned that when Ronnie's high, he cares more about ice cream than he does about cunt and getting pussy. Head full of salt syrup. Right to the top of the list. You like soft ice cream, Ronnie? You like soft ice cream? You know the um, the swirly, like a Carvel. Uh, I'm not a. I like Carvel when they have. They usually um, sometimes they have the, like the special flavor of the week, and they have the pistachio. Right. I like that one. But my, I like the my cookies thing, and cunt. I like. I like. Oh, yeah. I like the fro. I like the frozen yogurt. <laughs> you know the swirly. One, you know you go to the yogurt store. You get in the like yeah. your parents used to do. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I lo I love yeah. that shit. Putting all the yeah. crap, the fruit on it, and all that crap. Yeah. Fruit Mint with chocolate. Uh, I don't like <laughs> okay, listen, Ronnie. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that horrible story with your dad, but hi, Ronnie. Uh, opening up and, and laughing about it, which is uh, you know, it shows you. It puts you in a good mood, and even the horrible story about your father. 
Um, I didn't realize. I mean, what he, a... you know, listen, listen, he, he at, when I was a kid, he was a great dad. Let me tell you, I'd go right. everywhere and do everything with him. But, you know, when he when I was when I got older and I was an only child, I guess <laughs> he he needed something else to take my place or something. I don't know. <laughs> Pussy. Pussy. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, Ron, I mean, uh, you, in a way, are a chip off the old uh, penis because you, uh, too, are a coxman, like the old man. Uh, your your dad famously would get into threesomes and, uh, you know, who was Yeah, hotter? that's when he was a great dad, when he was doing that. Yeah, no wonder he was great. I'd be great, too, if I was having threesomes. <laughs> hey, uh, Ronnie, who was a hotter chick? The, the, the chick that uh, your parents fucked together? Or the 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 chick that your dad was cheating with, who was oh, hot? Definitely, the, oh, definitely the one they were together with. I see. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, a good the lesson. One, the the other one, the other one, I I could never figure it out, man. Right. I mean, she looked like Ruth Buzzy to me. Ruth <laughs> <laughs> like Buzzy's not hot. Oh. Get out of here. Oh man. Like a younger, like a younger Ruth Buzzy. Like she was like such a plain Jane. Right. <laughs> well, maybe so, she rocked his world. Did he ever say it, how good she was in bed or something? Like I, maybe I'm assuming she, that she had like a magic pussy. Right. <laughs> I she worked say, harder. I used to say that to my. I used to say it to my wife. I just don't. I can't figure it fuck out. You can you figure know? it out. You know what it is. You and I have been around the block. Some yeah. chicks can fuck like crazy, and it doesn't yeah. matter how good looking they are. They make you feel like a million bucks. Yeah. You could be with the hottest chick in the world. If she's a cold fish in bed, you're like, yeah. fuck this, I'm out of here. And you'll go fuck a chick who's not as hot as, uh, you know, the woman you're with. Am I correct? True. See? I know something, So you too. can figure it that's out. That's right. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah, but, but, see, that's, that, you don't, you don't give up your whole life for that. Right. You know what I'm That's saying? True. Well, That's true. I don't know, Ronnie. You have a pretty, you know, heavy sex drive. Sometimes yeah. it might drive you crazy if you can't get it. You know what it is, too? Your old man would probably say to you, Ronnie, this is young pussy. This is. And uh, life's short. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, for him, it was because once he was with her, I, I think he she fucked until his heart fucking dropped dead or something. The guy was in the fucking hospital three different times for fucking heart surgery. You know what? Because wow. of her, he had, she, he had to go to Dr. DeBakey. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm being serious. I'm not kidding around because, I know. you know, when he, well, when he was with my mother and shit, like, you know, he was fine. He didn't, he never had a heart problem. No, until he, he was calm. Yeah, yeah. Until after, you know, after his first heart surgery was at 51. Then his Dude. second one was at like 10 years. That one lasted like 10 years, which was, you know, a good run. And then the last one didn't last long at all. So you better be go easy on those uh, gin and tonics. You don't want to get, uh, you know, you got a history of heart uh, problems in your family. You got to go. Yeah, but I, go. I, I get checked out. I'm fine. I mean, right. um, you know, I, I've i already outlived him. Right. He absolutely. Died at, he died at 71. Right. All right. Listen, uh, Ronnie. And, it's, and uh, his last, his la those last four or five years of his life were hell. They sucked. Right. Oh, he was yeah. always sick. There was always something wrong, you know. So he... he T to me, he basically was fucked up, you know, the last five years of his life. So that was it then. 
All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Ronnie Puppet, I hope you're okay. And Ronnie, I hope you're okay. You Thank revealed you. A, yeah. By the way, there was one chick who had a busted mug, but I'll never forget her. Her name was Cornhole Lieberman. I'll let you figure out what she did. <laughs> <laughs> Probably put your father away in the hospital, corner. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well, Ronnie, chip off the old block, you know. Uh, your dad was a fabulous coxman. He knew how to work the ladies, and you obviously inherited his gifts. Uh, uh, Ronnie's legendary sexual exploits and expertise has... But uh, one question, you know, like he hated that his dad cheated. Has Ronnie yes. ever cheated? Ronnie's a solid uh, citizen, not... <laughs> when you say when you say cheat, define cheat. I mean, how do you spell cheat? Like, what's your definition of cheating? I mean, Robin, uh, <laughs> so, you know, Robin is, is. No, listen, listen. I'll I'll, I'll be honest. Um, uh, <laughs> we were, we were pretty much separated when I met Stephanie. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Except, fair enough. Well, at least we I knew separated. it. <laughs> no, 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 no. You no, weren't I was living li at home. No, I was living in the. I was living in the basement. <laughs> okay. Mm. Well, I called <laughs> my friend Ronnie, the water heater. You want my vote? That's called not cheating. If you're in the basement, that's not cheating. <laughs> I was living in the basement. My dick if you was were in the master bedroom. A pussy. Right. If you, you were separated from a pussy. <laughs> two floors away. You're good. <laughs> yeah. That's two floors, right, Ronnie? Because uh, the bedroom was on the upper floor. I'm talking about your, the master bedroom was on the upper floor, and the basement was two floors down. Oh, one so floor you, down. You were separated. <laughs> you were separated from her pussy one floor. Barely. Oh. <laughs> yeah, one floor. Uh, one floor you, down. You're brushing your uh, teeth in the same bathroom. These are things. <laughs> no, no. I had my own bathroom. bathroom. I used <laughs> the slop sink. That well, is, in my okay, my one definition. More question. Wait, but oh, Ronnie one more was not okay. Ronnie. Uh, Robin, your questions are very feminine. Uh, from a male point <laughs> no, of view, he was not cheating. Simple, simple right. question. Yes. Right. And he, they declared that he was free to date. You asked too many no. questions. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Well, one of us did. They were well, they, <laughs> they were separated. They were separated by a ceiling. And that's By good enough. For me. That's, that's right. Drywall. All right, Ron, you've said a lot. Um, and Robin, stop badgering the witness. Uh, I don't know what you think this guy's on the stand. Ronnie. Well, I, I'm just wondering how far are those lessons from his dad. Listen, that's he all. learned a lot in his life. And don't you worry about it, Robin. You worry too much. Now, Robin, Ronnie. Um, uh, uh, Chris, Mike, uh, Ronnie Puppet, <laughs> I promised yesterday something so disgusting. Oh, so yes. vile. You know, Imagine Dragons is going to come in uh, and perform, but great, uh, I love dragons. great show. Dude, I, uh, like you, I told you, I, I went to see them here. They sold out the Allegiant Stadium uh, last right. Saturday night. Amazing show. They, they are great. They're a terrific band, Imagine Dragons. They're the hottest band in the country, Ronnie. Ronnie, uh, uh, Ronnie Puppet, you love everything dragon, right? I love dragons. I love putting dragons on my lawn. I love dragging a dildo behind my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I have to give you a disclaimer. Something so vile, something so disgusting, something so rude is about to happen on this show. The filthiest, most disgusting, retching-like uh, phony phone call in the history of this show. Gary. The grossest call ever. Grossest call ever. Fist that hole, boy. Please be prepared to be disgusted. Prepare to be disgusted. Come on, baby. Just take my fist. Fisty Gary makes a phony phone call right after these words. Thank you, Ronnie, Ronnie, Puppet, uh, Chris, and Mike Trainer. I gotta, I gotta cram in a bunch of stuff before Imagine Dragons gets here. I don't like to keep my guests waiting, but I do, I did promise the first part of Fisty Gary. This thing is so disgusting, we had to break it into two parts. Was that um, to relieve people? Like they couldn't have taken yeah. it all together? It's so disgusting, Robin, that uh, you have to hear it in parts. Anyway, uh, I also want to mention that uh, many people wrote in about John Hamm, and they are very excited about him. Howard, uh, one of the best interviews you've ever done. Um, uh, I, I love, uh, you remind me how gifted and well-rounded of an actor John Hamm is. I had no idea how tragic his childhood was. Kudos to you for getting him to open up. But listen, I, he was a great guest. I enjoyed uh, meeting John Hamm. Uh, like Robin, some listeners were very aroused listening to John Hamm. Howard, I couldn't even see John Hamm, and I was turned on. I'm with Robin. The man just does it for me. Please add me to any future John Hamm dating games. If he becomes single, well, you're going to... Robin is first dibs. Uh, it's official. John Hamm says he loves a comfy boxer brief. Thank you for putting that image of uh, John Hamm in my head, Howard. Uh, that is truly one wonderful moment of theater in the mind. Um, after listening to Robin throughout the John Hamm interview, all I could picture was the windows of her glass news booth fogging up every time John Hamm removed his glasses. She was giggling <laughs> like a schoolgirl. Yes, it's true. Oh, dear. Um, I played some clips of the media reacting to my presidential campaign. The fans are still supporting my run. They still urge me to run. I'm still, uh, you're in the running as far as I'm concerned. Howard, I know you announced it months ago, but I am still very much on board with a stern Bradley Cooper presidential ticket. It might be the only way to fight the insanity happening in the United States. God help us all, uh, Robin. Um, <laughs> stern for President Howard, you seem to be the only voice of reason in the media lately. Your respect for people from all walks of life. Let me clear that up right away. I do not have respect for all people from all walks of life. I want to go on record. There are some people I do not respect. Your respect for people from all walks of life, your commitment to safety during a pandemic, and your brutal honesty is what American government needs. Save us, Howard. We live in a country of morons. All right. John Hamm is Secretary Well, let me of... clarify. You respect people who deserve respect. You don't have There you any, go. Thank you. You know, blanket, I don't respect those people. I was thinking Attitude. you should be my um, press secretary, the way you uh, handle those kind of moments where I have to be, uh, you know, it has to be Explained. clarified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I can go off on a tangent. Uh, the John Hamm as secretary of genitalia in a stern administration is what America needs right now. Please put him in as many of your campaign ads as possible. Um, many people wrote me about my mother struggling uh, with her new television set. And many, um, uh, many, many uh, uh, letters of sympathy. Listening to you talk about your mom and technology had me laughing really hard. My mother-in-law <laughs> is 79, and I have the same conversations and frustrations as you. Thank you for making me laugh. Howard, I get what you're going through. 
I try to make my 89-year-old mother eat, and it's like force-feeding a child. I hope you never stop doing impressions of your parents. It's the highlight of my day. Uh, also, people are very, very uh, excited about this Fisty Gary thing I'm about to go into. Oh. The fans are pumped up. They want to hear this. I They're will never afraid. say <laughs> They are not afraid. I will never <laughs> say no to a new flirty Gary prank call. He always delivers. Disgusting or not, I'm excited. Bring on Fisty Gary. Uh, flirty Gary's call to a black dating website was arguably the best prank call in Stern Show history. <laughs> I hope to hear Flirty G top that with his fisting phone call tomorrow, meaning, of course, right now. Today. Yeah. Today. All right. Well, uh, here it is. Get your barf bags ready. Get your barf bags ready. I keep this wrist greasy so it goes in easy. Uh, oh, shit. Yesterday, for those of you who did not know, I played you a clip of um, Bigfoot's uh, ex-fiance, Melody. Uh, she lives on a farm, and we had Flirty Gary uh, pick her up with pickup lines. Yes. And uh, within minutes, he had her bleeding like a goat. And uh, this is how powerful. Now, uh, for this new phone call, phony phone call, we rebranded Flirty Gary as Fisty Gary. Let me give you a little bit of backstory on this disgusting call. In 2018... Our uh, correspondent, Wolfie, covered an event called Fist Fest. Everyone remembers yeah. this. It was disgusting. It was a convention of dudes who loved getting entire fists up their ass. It was like nothing we have ever played before. If you missed it, you really missed out on something. I when thought Wolfie... that was the most, dis most disgusting thing ever. You might be right. But anyway, when Wolfie was at the convention Fist Fest, he met a guy who loves getting fisted named Hunger FF, that was his name, Hunger FF, short for Hunger Fist Fucking. Fist fucking. I wonder uh, I just, why he doesn't want to use his real name. <laughs> I don't know. But here is Hunger FF and Wolfie meeting for the first time, just to refresh your memory. So your name? My name is Hunger FF. Hunger FF, what does the FF stand for? Fist fucking. I can take it shoulder deep. I can take three hands in my ass. And I have about like 10 inches of like ass meat that falls out when I get fisted. What is ass meat? <laughs> it's a rosebud or a prolapse and how much comes out a lot i would say it's probably about the size of like a grapefruit or a bigger so when your ass meat is hanging out of your anus what the guys do with it they play with it they eat it suck on it deep throat it See what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no joke. Wolfie still literally has nightmares about that guy's prolapsed uh, anus because uh, I think Wolfie got to see, the, to see it in action. I think he did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was pretty gross. Anyway, we had our new character, Fisty Gary. Fisty Gary. Call Hunger FF to work his magic. Be warned. The call is intense and unsettling. If you happen to be eating or operating heavy machinery... You may want to turn off your radio. So without further ado, Robin, I give you volume one of the most shocking phony phone call of all time. Fisty Gary calls a fister. Hello? Hey, boy. This is Gary. What's your name? My name is Ryan, but um, most of the people on the Internet or around the world are going to know me as Hunger FF, uh, which stands for Hunger Fist Bucking. Uh, you didn't know that already. <laughs> Well, my friends used to call me Flirty G, okay. but now I'm known as Fisty G, Fafa Fisty, MC Fister, whatever you prefer. Okay, cool, cool. I can get down with that. That's awesome. I hear you're getting over monkey pucks. That's rough, boo. What happened? 
So I got these little dots on my hands and I was like, what are these? These are weird. And like, it had spread like all over my body. And I was like, what the fuck? But it was primarily concentrated on my hands. I mean, I put two and two together and figure if it's on my hands, I probably got it from fisting. If you've got lesions in your hole, then baby, that's my goal. (laughs) That ass is officially ribbed for my pleasure. Oh, fuck. Okay. My hole is already quivering. Mm-hmm. I heard you dig fisting? Um, I pretty much live for it, yeah. Well, that's great, because I dig out colons. Oh, fuck. Okay, now you're talking my language. How big are your hands? Listen, it ain't the size of the fist. It's the motion of the wrist. Oh, fuck. Okay. Call me Rocky, because I will use your hole like a speed bag. Fuck yeah. How, how, how deep do you want to go on me? Let's put it this way. Is your asshole Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky? Why do you ask? Because <laughs> I'm about to supply it with arms. <laughs> <laughs> Say bye-bye to your pancreas because I'm pulling that fucker out. That's hot. Go ahead and rearrange my internal organs. Fuck. If something gets in the way, just push it out of the way. Right, right. That's so hot. All right, so I'm sitting here like kind of jerking off a little bit while you're telling me this stuff. <laughs> For real? <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. Are you full of shit? No, I'm definitely not full of shit. Because I'm going to find out. <laughs> I, I like my men like I like my dive bars. Cheap, nasty, and filled with loose stools. Oh, God. <laughs> Just call me Little Jack Horner, because I love pulling out plums. Fuck. Hopefully you won't pull out anything from me other than my meat. But I hear you got that good ass meat. Oh yeah, um, kind of my signature is what everybody knows me for, and it's only getting it's only getting bigger. It's like eighteen inches of it. That's so fucking hot. <laughs> I want that ass meat to stick to my forearm like silly putty. Push out my hole on your arm while you're fucking me. And oh hell's yeah! See the meat come out and stick to your arm as it's coming in. Fuck. You can actually get twisted outside my body now. Like I push my prolapse out, my ass meat out. It's pretty 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 fucking wild. <laughs> Sounds like you could be in New York, and I could fist you in Jersey. Basically, yeah, because my hole is that long. Smack that shit up against the phone. Oh, my God, you're crazy. You want to hear my ass meat? Fuck. Fuck, yeah. We'll try. Hang on one second, okay? If your ass meat ain't sagging, you best not be bragging. Hold on one second. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Ow. Oh, shit. That was my ass meat. For real? Like that? Oh, hells yeah. Some big sack of meat. That's so fucking hot. Hello, hello. I think your ass meat hung up the phone. Yeah. And that is exactly what happened in part Whoa. one. Um, yeah. On the on the day this call was scheduled, Wolfie got a message from Hunger FF saying he had contracted monkeypox. Uh, the pain was so excruciating, they had to put it off the call for weeks. And Hunger had been in quarantine for several weeks. And he said that Gary's call came at the perfect time because he was super horny. Now, Robin, you were warned not to listen to this, and yet you did. I saw your face. I I really got nauseous. Yeah. Uh, sadly, Robin just sent her resume to The View uh, because of that call, <laughs> and I'm begging her not to do that. Please. I'll even pretend to be conservative. Take me. Well, Robin, you know, I debate. I see I got a few minutes before Imagine Dragons. Should I just go to part two? Oh, geez. Because How part two might part kill two? you. Part two really? is uh, three, a good three and a half minutes of uh, more oh. talk. 
If you want, I can wait till tomorrow and let you build up uh, your immunity. But um, no, I think we ought to just go for get it. it over with, like ripping yeah. a bandaid off. Yeah, part two could kill you. I'm willing to to die for the show. <laughs> you are. All right. I, uh, I'm going to do it then. I'm going to do right. it. All I'm right, strapping in. You know, I looked at this waste basket that's next to me. It's not lined. If I get sick, <laughs> it's going to be a mess. <laughs> uh, so after the prolapsed uh, ass meat hung up on Gary, Gary called Hunger FF back. Uh, the second call, I will say, is worse. So if you couldn't handle oh. the first one, get out of the room. If you're eating, you're driving, whatever the fuck you're doing, whatever fragile state of mind you're in, turn off your radio Be responsible. Now. Don't take yeah. your chances. There's a plethora of channels that you can go listen to. Mad Dog <laughs> and Comedy Channel, all kinds of music. But if you can handle it, here is Fisty Gary Calls a Fister Volume 2. If you can't handle it, turn, turn to the Catholic Channel right now. <laughs> Get a little religion. You there? What happened, boo? Someone asked me hung up the phone. You ever let a guy finish on that ass meat? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can blow my own load on it. Or, like, I've had guys come on it. It's like a little dish. And oh, that's like, so hot. They come on the little hole, and then I can pull it back in, and it's like an internal, external cum shot. <laughs> Fisty Gary. Fisty Gary. Come on inside. Fisty Gary. Hear that? Is that my asshole talking to you? Mm -hmm. That's your butt crying out for me. Fuck yeah. Are you ticklish? Um, more so, yeah, yeah. Because I want to tickle your belly button from the inside. Finger piano. Hmm? The finger piano. So you put your hand, when you put your hand in and you go flat and put your hand like up to the belly, you can move your fingers and see them moving inside somebody's belly. So it's called finger piano. Well, lucky for you, they call me the Billy Joel of freshly gaped holes. Yeah, it's fucking hot. My fist in your chasm will give you a big old assgasm. Oh, assgasms are where it's at. Tell me what an assgasm feels like, baby. It's like a hands-free orgasm that comes, starts from your hole and it works your way through the rest of your body. I usually piss myself or my prolapse will come out huge if I'm doing it. And... You'll piss yourself? Yep, almost always. Mm -hmm. Nothing I love more than a stiff fist and warm piss. <laughs> Call me Jim Henson. Because I work your asshole like Kermit the Frog. Oh, I dig you. Yeah, you may basically turn me into a Muppet, right? Oh, hells yeah. You can, call me, you can call me Miss Piggy. Oh, that's so hot. Oink for me, you dirty little pig. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll root through your asshole like a truffle pig sorting through shit. Fuck. What's the craziest shit you ever had up there? Uh, I put a bowling pin up my ass one time. Oh, that's hot. I took somebody's leg up to their knee. Oh, that's hot. That was probably the biggest. I don't think my hole ever gaped open that big in my life. Shit. Oh, uh, you want to come over and fist my cunt? Mm-hmm. My fucking blown out fucking pussy? Oh, yeah. Big fucking sack of meat hanging out? Ugh. Yeah? Oh, baby. I'll wag it like a tail for you. Mm-mm. They may not be willing to pack Supreme Court, but I'm sure as hell willing to pack your ass with my fist. Please. It's fucking hot. I'm beating my dick right now. I'm fisting myself right now. Oh, hell yeah. Fist that hole, boy. Uh, fuck, you hear that? Oh, shit. Put your fucking hand in my guts. Fuck. My asshole is so wet for you. Keep talking about that meat. You gonna come for me? I'm getting close. Keep going. Oh, 
You like that? Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Just imagine my asshole sliding down your fucking biceps. Oh, I'm gonna come, baby. Come on. Blow it on my fucking guts. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, fucking shit, good. boy. I'm about Blow to ski. Yeah, blood right all over my fucking guts. All over my cunt. Ski! 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 Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you fucking dirty fucker. Anyway, gotta go, boy. Fuck, did you like that? You passed the test because I made a mess. You dirty fucker. Call me anytime. And remember, it's never any hassle to uppercut your asshole. You don't have to ask me twice. You basically already got my ass. I may not wear a cape, but I'm the Superman of gate. Come get it, fucker. <laughs> Take it easy, boo. Fisty G. Ow. Talk to you soon, there okay? it is. Bye. There it is. The most disgusting. Did it live up to its reputation or not? Uh, yeah. I saw your face the whole time, Robin. You look like you were gonna, you were gonna just lose it. I, I, I'm sorry for humanity. I'm sorry for me. The head of this company heard that. The head of this company, Jennifer Witch, just reported me to the FCC. I don't blame her. You can only get. You can only get ass meat bits here. Uh, Gary, congratulations <laughs> on your new uh, fisty Gary. The audience is yeah. reacting. Uh, Josh, you loved it or hated it? Go ahead. In North Carolina, how are you holding up? Howard, I, like, I hate it when people call in and they're like, oh, I was laughing so hard, I almost wrecked my car. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Finger piano, my stomach, I, I mean, I have a pain in my stomach, man. Finger piano wow. is... I was out when when finger piano happened. I I turned it down and called it. You turned it off at uh, finger piano when uh, Flirty Gary said he's going to play that guy's belly like Billy Joel. Uh, Flirty I, Gary, I, I, uh, you will want to know that uh, we understand that we got in touch with Hunger FF, and he said he has been beating off to you ever since you made the call every night. He's thinking about you, so you have a way with words that turns people on. That's awesome. I I was telling the guys like. Uh, you know, like this is one of those things I never, I would never discuss with Mary. Like she'll hear about it in a month or two, and I'll just brush it off quickly. But like, if she heard this, I think she would throw up. I really do. Absolutely. Do you know there's a report that Queen Elizabeth's corpse sat up and vomited during that phone call? <laughs> that she actually came back to life. Yeah. Oh, uh, Jennifer Witz, the CEO of this company, is on the phone and wants to comment right now. Hello, Miss Witz. Fisty Gary, uh, the reaction is coming in. This is Emilio from North Carolina. Howard, man, I, I heard the thing about the fisty, and I was like, how bad could it be? Oh, my God, please never play that again. That All was, right, there you go. Let me tell you, pop to Gary for making through that call. Oh, you don't even know the full length of that call. How long was the actual call, Gary? That's edited down. I, I think it was much longer, actually. I don't know. It was. It seemed like a lifetime, I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, for what it's worth... Um, the actual phone call was 40 minutes of uh, wow. Fisty Gary. There is talk about, uh, for, for real uh, masochists out there, playing the entire 40 minutes on a Saturday night one night right here on these channels. Um, you know, it's one of I those things. I don't know who you'll, could get through the whole 40 minutes. You'll never forget where you were when you heard Fisty Gary. Let's face Ooh. it, Robin. That is the truth. Well, Gary, congratulations. Uh, that's a tough role. I'm, I'm sure uh, it was hard for you. Uh uh, no, I, oddly, I think these are funny. I cannot believe that people take Fisty Gary, Flirty Gary seriously. And when they do and they're attracted to them, it makes me think maybe I'm doing something wrong as, as Gary. 
Right. <laughs> no, you should be more like Flirty Gary. You know, a lot of actors become their character in real life because they see their character gets has a better life than they do, and they become the character, and the character mm-hmm. is beloved. Please don't become Fisty Gary in real life. All right? <laughs> okay. All right. I, uh, some are calling it Gary's <laughs> Stairway to Heaven. Others are not. Well, you know, every year, don't you win the best phony phone call contest? You uh, might but, win yeah, again. Sorty Gary has won a bunch of times, but uh, lost in the finals last year. But I feel like this is an early Oscar contender. Yeah, you're, uh, finally, you're a comeback guy this year. Finally, uh, Michael from Texas wants to comment on Fisty Gary. Go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> I've been listening for 20 years. I've heard all the Whoopi's weird shit conventions and everything else. I had to change the channel. That was the sickest shit I've ever heard. And I don't even know how Gary can go along with that. There's, I think there's another side to Gary that we don't know about. Absolutely. Well, there you go. A listener, a longtime 20-year listener who was forced to change over. What did you change over to? I'm curious. What uh, uh, did you very go? Quick, I, did, I hurried up and turned the volume down. And I think I put it on uh, CNN or something. I just had to get my get my mind off of it. I see. Okay. Real, 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 well, listen, that's an honest reaction, Michael. So you can see we turned, it might be no one listening now. <laughs> um, it could, could we, we could be down to zero listeners, but uh, hopefully Imagine Dragons will uh, bring them all back. Ronnie's favorite band. Look at Ronnie going to an Imagine Dragons concert over in Vegas. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Ronnie in with the review. <laughs> I bet you Ronnie was the oldest guy there. Guarantee it. Yeah, I bet I'm you were the sure oldest. Imagine Dragons is happy to hear that not, Ronnie loved it. So not much. true, dude. Not true. <laughs> really? Seriously. Their, their audience, it, it goes from little kids to like people in their 70s. It's crazy. Wow. So uh, Ronnie was not the oldest. Hmm. Dude, I got a question. Yeah. What the fuck is 18 inches of fucking ass meat? What is that? Where does it I don't come know. from? I don't understand. What is it? Dude, what is I was popping? even I was fucked up from this call. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. What? It, what? what the, Robin, what you were a nurse. That? What is coming out of his Best ass? Streaks. Do you have a guess? Well, he he actually talks about a prolapsed uh, anus. anus. You know that meat can stretch. That's why you can have a big, horrible bowel movement sometimes if you're all backed up. It has to accommodate whatever's going to come out of there and so when he's constantly fisting it sort of stretches to a permanent level and i'm sure he's encouraging it to grow longer by manipulating it and so he's got a you know an anus that when it falls out it's it's like the size of a penis or something holy shit jesus it's unbelievable. Well, quickly, uh, I've, I've got to get to Imagine Dragons. Ralph, what do you want to say quickly? It, it, that, that was vile, disgusting, and depressing, but I, I just, I can't imagine. Like, how can he take a leg? Is that, that's not possible. <laughs> like, it, 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 the guy's for real, and, uh, you know, uh, Wolfie saw him in action. He, the dude isn't kidding when he said he took a bowling pin up his ass. Yeah, uh, okay, maybe a bowling pin, but a leg to the knee? That's not, that, Chris, could that happen? I know. I know I'm in trouble when uh, I see Fred told me, he whispered to me, I'm going to go shopping for a bowling pin, honey. Uh, <laughs> I, that guy, I just can't imagine somebody like that that exists. Well, he exists. Jimmy, go ahead. You're on the air. Please uh, make it brief. I have to get to Imagine Dragons who are busy throwing up themselves right now. They accidentally <laughs> Yeah, I hope that. they can sing and play. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jimmy, go ahead. 
Jimmy in Massachusetts. Hey, right. Yeah, I think yes. Gary deserves an Oscar uh, for not breaking character. Yeah, he did not. And uh, Wolfie, I thought those were all pre-recorded before, but it sounds like he does it live, answering all those questions. But Wolfie saw him take an arm and uh, go shoulder deep, uh, Ralph. So there, there's your answer. He can do it. This guy is a pro. Like and, a midget, uh, a midget arm, or like a real, like long <laughs> arm, a, a, an adult arm, an adult <laughs> arm. Wolfie, you want to verify that real that quick term. for the audience? Yeah, it Wolfie. was a regular, a regular size man, and he was shoulder deep in that guy's ass. <gasps> I, I saw it. Robin, where could it possibly go? It would have to come. Well, out the guy's telling you, move my organs around, oh, get yourself oh, in oh. there. Okay, you got me. I'm well, there you go. Uh, the the hype was real. It was not a bullshit story. I told you, Fisty Gary is the grossest haul we've ever made, and congratulations to Gary and Hunger. Fisty Gary. Uh, zip. Anyway, uh, arguably one of the biggest hits from Imagine Dragons. Beautiful song. Radioactive. And sure enough, these boys are here. Uh, Imagine Dragons. There you know why I play radioactive when I introduce you guys? Because isn't it amazing, unless I have this wrong, that when you guys put out this song or you played it for your record label, they told you there's no way Top 40 Radio would play this. There is, I mean, how do these guys who are music, quote unquote, experts get it so wrong? How's it going, guys? Hey, how you doing? Hey, good to see you. Hey, good hey, seeing you guys. Imagine Dragon. Um, but getting back to it, I mean, Radioactive, one of the biggest hit songs, one of the most catchy hooks, really. And how do these guys, like, who at the label is telling you? What, the A&R guys? The, the, who, who knows so much? Well, it was first our manager, who's my brother, so I'm fine to put him on blast. Uh, he's still our manager. <laughs> your brother he, he is your likes, manager? He's always actually picked the worst songs to be the singles, every time. He's never gotten it right once. <laughs> but he gets all the management stuff right, so it's okay. But when, but when something like that happens in your life, like Radioactive was on the uh, Billboard Hot 100 for 87 weeks, which is a huge accomplishment. If that was the only song you ever wrote, you could, you could hang your hat on that. Um, does that debilitate you as a songwriter, especially when you're a young songwriter and you haven't had a shitload of hits? Do you all of a sudden go, you know what? I suck. These guys know their business. Uh, they know what they're talking about. I'm, I'm, I thought this was good, and yet they, they tell me it's no good. Well, I mean, they didn't necessarily say it's not good. They just said, so we had written a song called It's Time uh, that was on an EP that we had self-produced before we got uh, signed. And... Mix 94.1, which is a local station in Las Vegas, started to just play it on its own. Right. And so the label said, hey, we kind of have this going. It's already happening. Let's go with this song. But certainly, um, Radioactive, was, we wanted it to be the first song on the record because it's so divisive. Like, people either love it or hate it. Um, and really? so we were like, well, yeah, yeah. It's a very divisive song. Still, is it? I think. Yeah. What do you mean? I mean, the, I don't the know. The sound you know? of it or the, the contents? Um, 
I mean, I don't both. I remember <clears throat> German radio said they wouldn't even play it. They said they were worried that people were going to think that their speakers and their cars were broken when they would hear it because of the distortion and the low end. They wanted us to make a different, like less aggressive mix. They wanted for a German remix. Radio. Yeah, it was. It was really. It was really interesting the way it was received all over the spectrum. But that's what's so great about the song that uh, that overmodulated bass line is like. <laughs> I mean, it, it. That's that's the whole thing. I mean, it. God. People are so yeah, it was a weird song. You know, I, I rem- yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I rem- the first time I, I listened to it, uh, I remember sitting in the studio and listening to it when it was complete-ish. We had just added guitar to it. And all of us were confused by it. Like, we all looked around, you know, and we're like, I... This is strange. It just was a really strange-sounding song that excited us. You know, that I, I think that's why... We felt that it should be the first on the record because we'd rather. We're from Las Vegas, so everything's strange. Everything's kind of eccentric. When you so dream up sense. a song like Radio Act, okay, since we're talking about that one, you dream it up, you hear it in your head, however it goes. And I've watched that long form video that you've done about how you write music. I love it so much. You're showing the process. Uh, for my, for, for people listening who don't understand what I'm talking about, Dan Reynolds literally sits there, has no clue what he's going to write. And it's really like watching, uh, you know, it's it's a master class if you want to be a musician. He sits there, he comes up with a little piano part, doesn't like the piano part, then he looks for a drum beat, pulls out a drum beat, starts humming to it, and he starts to build, he produces the entire song from start to finish. And I watch this thing because I'm not a musician, but I do like to paint. And I saw it as the same thing. When you start painting, it looks like child's play. It looks like scribble on the paper. And if you if you stick with it long enough, it develops into a full blown painting. It's a process. And what you did was you pulled the curtain back, and at the end of the magic trick, I still don't know how you did it. It's weird. Oh, it's so fucking you. great. You gotta Google this thing. You gotta go and just put in Dan Reynolds composes a song. Where'd you do that? On TikTok? I did it on Twitch, the streaming Twitch. format. It's usually for like video games, but I found it to be really nice for creating music. But first of all, thank you. Um, and second of all, it is, it, that is the joy of it for me. I love nothing. I love there's, there's nothing there and you get to build the Legos and you get to, and you don't even know where it's going to go. And the reason I love it the most actually, to be honest, Howard, is because for me, I really have a hard time understanding emotionally how I'm feeling. Like since I was young, this was like my greatest struggle. And and so I went to therapy and they said, well, you write it out in a journal. And that didn't work for me. And what I found was if I was able to create a soundscape or hear melody and create it, then I could understand what I was feeling. So in middle school, it was like, you know, religious crisis or something. And it was, and, and I was able to, music gave me, uh, it just, it translated the thoughts that I couldn't put in words. Um, so I, I, yeah, I've always loved it. I started doing it when I was a, about 12 years old. Yeah. You said writing music for you was like journaling, like you were yeah. getting all your thoughts out. And I relate to this. I am one of those guys like you who pushes away emotion. I don't know I'm doing it, but I don't feel a fucking thing. And then if I hear a certain song, it will tap me in. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, shit, I'm sad. It's yes. weird. I don't know. I'm not aware I'm sad. And then all of a sudden, like, I didn't feel the impact of my, my father died recently and I didn't feel the impact of it really all that much. And then I'm listening to the, I don't know what song I was listening to. And I started bawling like a baby. It triggered everything. It just, it just, music's an amazing thing. It's just an amazing thing. 
and mind well, first blown. First of all, sorry about your father. And I, and I will also say, it, it, I genuinely every night, especially as I get older, feel that as I get more cynical about um, just everything, you know, you get older, you get more cynical. Music, I get less, and I, it feels more and more magic. It actually feels like the only thing that feels godly to me at, at this point, right. where it's like there, there's something uh, indescribable um, to to it that I, yeah, it's it's such a joy to share that with people every night. Yeah, but you know what's weird? I have talked to some of the greatest songwriters on the planet. You know, I've gotten to interview Paul McCartney, Billy Joel. And I was talking to Billy, and I go, Billy, why don't you write any songs anymore? He described the pain of writing a new song for him. Like, he looks at the piano, and they look like shark's teeth biting his fingers. Like, he fucking hates writing lyrics. Music he's okay with, but it, it's, it's this horrible process. I really get the feeling watching you develop a song that you really enjoy the process of writing a new song. That's very rare. Most guys just hate it because they don't know where it's coming from. And they don't know if they still have it. Well, Billy is one of my all-time favorites. All-time right. favorites. Um, so hearing that, man, that's I, I, I didn't know that. Um, there's so much genius there that uh, I don't... I, I mean... I don't know. All I know is still I love it. I do. I love it every day. I try to write every day. It's very healthy for me. Um, it's very cathartic. Uh, but yeah, man, I didn't, I haven't heard that about Billy and I've never yes, gotten to did. see him live. I would, I would die to see Billy Joel live. Oh, die. you have to because I, as I, I marvel at his age and that he's still, his voice is as strong, maybe even better than ever. He's he one of the best not. of all time. He says he's Maybe. had to change keys, he's had to do this, that, the other, but I don't know, man. The guy's a powerhouse. It's just insane. I think everybody has to change keys live. I've already had to change keys, and I'm in, I'm 35. Um, and I write, uh, I'm a tenor. I mean, sorry, I'm a baritone, and I write as though I'm a tenor. Um, but I've been listening to only The Good Die Young almost every day this week on my morning run. <laughs> so it's just, really? it feels very apropos. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's yeah, I, just, I feel like nobody does what Billy does. He says it. He does it in a way. And I'm in New York right now, so it just feels right. Yeah, yeah very Billy Joel. You should go see him uh, the next time he plays. Because it's really, I mean, it's just one of the most mind-blowing concerts. But let me understand something. And I wanted you to start by playing a song, but I get caught up in this. So when you're a kid and you decide you want to you know, start writing music and stuff and you get trapped into this world of musicianship, does it work where... You're exposed to all this music as a kid, you know, Billy Joel, the Beatles, whatever. And you hear it and you say to yourself, well, I'm going to learn to play some instruments, so I'll see if I can copy those songs. And then once you master that, this is the way it goes for, in my mind. Then when you master playing other people's songs, then you say, let me try and write a song that sounds like Taxman or, you know, Hey Jude. Mm. Then once you master that, you then find your own voice and start to write your own original music that sounds nothing like anyone else's. Is that the trajectory, or do I have it wrong? I mean, I'm sure that on a subconscious level that's happening, uh, and maybe on a conscious level for people. Um, not for me. Uh, I certainly am a hodgepodge, big, like, soup bowl of everything I listen to. My dad, it was Cat Stevens, Billy Joel, um, Paul Simon, Harry Nelson, The Beatles. It was all singer-songwriters. Uh, is this then, the song that wrecks you every time you hear it? First song I cried to. This is the first, first song, song I, you cried to. I, Me too. I, Father and son. This was the, really. 
I was yeah. laying in bed in my bedroom. It's just so good. I can't even talk over it. It's not time to make a change. Just relax. I love this song, Take man. Easy. You're still young. That's your fault. There's so much you have to know. Cat Stevens doesn't get enough credit, I think. Yeah. I mean, T for the Tillerman, that album. Holy shit. He's one of the very best. You're going to make me emotional like eight in the morning. I don't know why. <laughs> I feel like you're talking about your father and like, I, you know, this has been a week. And so I just, man, you play that. And I'm like, oh, geez. But yeah, it that was the first song that I remember laying in bed and like having my sheets over my head. And do I was playing think, it. And, you know. But do you think you connect to that song? Because, I mean, I know your whole history with Mormonism. And your whole family's like in that. I didn't know much about Mormonism, but it seems like it's kind of cultish. And everyone has to think the same way. And your family was so steeped in it that you felt like, shit, my father doesn't get me. He doesn't understand me. I wish that he could see the world the way I do. Is that why that song gets you? I, 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 this is a great question. And, and we should really dig into this because when we were last on, we talked about this and it was really hard for my mom. Um, because they're all still Mormon. And right. I, it was actually the best thing that probably happened in our relationship was when I was on here last time, it perpetuated a conversation with her that I was never able to have. And now wow. we're in such a great place. Um, but I'm a very open book and I'm very honest. So let me answer that question. One, uh, in my, in regards to my dad, no, my dad is the, I was going to say the fucking best, but <laughs> I know probably <laughs> this, so probably right. wouldn't appreciate the F word, but I love, my parents are so damn great. And for many years in my youth, I was angry about Mormonism. I did feel like the wolves pulled over my eyes and I had anger towards my parents. <clears throat> I really don't. As I get older, I look at it and it works so beautifully for them. It doesn't work for me. It works for a lot of people, whether it's a cult or not. It feels almost like everything is a cult to some degree right. to me, I guess. Um, and that word carries so much weight that I just look at it and I, I'm at a, I'm a, I'm a true seeker now. I'm, I'm looking for truth and I feel like there's truth in a lot of things and there's bullshit in a lot of things. Um, but I, I wouldn't claim to know the absolute truth or bullshit in anything. Um, so long story short, no, I actually think when I listened to that, it was more emotional to me because how much I love my dad, he's still working. He's in his seventies and my mom won't let him retire because she thinks your brain goes to mush when you retire. So he goes to work every day. Just to give you an idea, he goes to work and he watches a YouTube video every single day of my previous show every wow. single day. And then he'll write me an email and say, I saw you last night. You messed up the words on this song, but man, it was really powerful when you did this. Like, that doesn't aggravate you. Do you need him to tell I you you it. messed up the words? You love it because I love you care. it. He gave me the best line on my first song. That, like maybe the best lyric I ever wrote <laughs> was on "It's Time." Our first single, and it was the the path to heaven leads through miles of clouded hell. I still love that line. My dad gave me that line. Wow, he gave me that line. it's he was time. Like, it, yeah, he, he had emailed me and said, "Hey, this is a you know a thought that I've heard. I've heard it said differently in this way, but maybe you could say it like this." <laughs> this song. said this is the one of the best songs you ever wrote you love this song yeah i i love this song but mainly it's uh i wouldn't say it's the best song uh that i've written but i will say that there's a line in it the path to heaven runs through miles of clouded hell that feels 
very relevant to me still after a decade. And I can't say that for all the songs that I've written. No. But that came what, I was, what I was referring to, and you're right, all religions are a cult in a sense. The, what I was referring to is when you're steeped in that world and you grow up in that world, where do you find the intelligence and emotional bandwidth to break free, let's say, with the church's teachings about gays, right. which you've you know famously done? You're a very big supporter of LGBTQ rights and all of that. My parents, for example, when I was growing up, they used to set up gay people on dates and things. So I always grew up saying gay is good. It's not right. a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's not it's not bad. It's not good. It's just normal. I had that privilege of being raised by people who felt that way. Yeah. When you're taught every day of your life the opposite, you're going to go to hell. You're going to this and that. How out of your whole family do you break free of all that nonsense? Where does that come from? I mean, from a young age, it felt like a very, very contradictory thing because you're going to church and you're learning about Jesus and you're learning about love everyone, accept everyone. That really is the root of Christianity, which Mormonism is steeped in. So it didn't make sense ever. Never made sense to me. And then I got into high school and... There was a kid at our high school who was gay and Mormon, and he went in front of the Mormon temple and shot himself in Las Vegas. And I think that was a real turning point where it was like, yeah, this, this doesn't make sense. But now it was like, no, actually, this seems really messed up, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I don't know, life just kind of sends you on a path and path of least resistance or whatever you want to call it. Um, but that's, yeah. Is that the thing that did it for you in order to sort of uh, break free of all that thinking was that that put me on a path. But the thing that did it for me was uh, one of my dear friends, Tyler Glenn. He's the singer of Neon Trees. We went on the same Mormon mission to Nebraska. You don't get to pick where you go. <laughs> where my brothers went to the you Philippines. You were on a Mormon mission and they sent you to Nebraska? Where did, you, yes. where did your brothers go? Where did they get to go? The Philippines, Japan, England. <laughs> so at the time when I'm 19 and you're supposed to do this, I was like, well, I don't believe this. This is really hard for me, but I'm going to get to learn a cool language. I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to go to some cool place. It's going to be an adventure for two years. And then I opened my mission call and the, <laughs> you read it a line at a time. You like cover up the lines. All my family's in a room and I'm like, Dan Reynolds, you have been called to serve. And all my brothers are like, Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh, 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 oh it's going to be great. You're going to find God. It's gonna be great. When you go on a mission, what is it you're doing in Omaha, Nebraska for two years? I knock doors all day. So you knock doors. I would. My best technique was I'd put the Book of Mormon on the top of a door frame and knock the door. It would be just on the top of the door frame about to fall they would open it and i put my hand on the door frame and it, just that pressure would make it fall into my hands and i go oh a gift from heaven i'm elder reynolds and i'm here to teach you a message about jesus christ and that would give you lots of doors they were like okay i don't want to hear your message but that's cute you can come in you know that was oh i would have thrown you right out i'd be like dude come on you're gonna use a cheesy line on me what am i a woman you're picking up well it I didn't mean work on everybody it was like you know 50 percent, 50 percent isn't that, do you look back at that as like, shit, that was two years of my life wasted? Or do you, like, that you could have already started in the music business? Or do you look at it like, okay, everything's contributing to who I am today? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for it. Um, but, man, the first week I wrote my mom a letter. You get a call home twice a year, Mother's Day, Christmas. Other than that, you write a letter once a week home. No girlfriends, right. no phones, anything like that. You just knock doors all day. And if you knock, by the way, and someone says no. So if I knocked on your door, Howard, and you said, no, that's bullshit. It's a cult. I don't want it. Then I have to say, 
people can I be of service to you? And you can ask anything. This is a, I hope everybody like takes this and takes advantage of missionaries. You say, yes, I want you to, in Nebraska, for instance, castrate my horse. Then I went and castrated horse. Brand my cows, brand cows. Roof my house, roof my, clean up the feces in my kitchen because my house is going to be taken from me. Okay, take a shovel and you go do that. So that's what you do. Wow. <laughs> and people did it? Like you, you, in you other words, you have the, to say yes. Oh my God. What was the worst thing you had to do besides castrate a horse? Uh, shovel. There was a house that was, uh, he was going to have his house taken from him. Uh, this guy and he was just not completely there and he said can you help me clean my house we said yes and we came in and there was just shit up to your ankles in oh, wow. almost the entire house rats roaches all of it and then you just shovel shit yeah oh my god what a fucking story but it's what, I, I believe that uh i i genuinely believe that i wouldn't there was work ethic there were certain unknowns that i can't you know i don't even know what they were but here i am so i'm doing it again i Yes. You're pretty open about suffering from depression. Do you think that depression was that as a kid, not that the depression, but like, did, did you have an outlet where you could go to someone and say, listen, I'm in bad shape. There's something wrong with me. And none of you are seeing it. You're telling me to turn to God. You're telling me to do that. But nobody's addressing the thing that I have. I might have a chemical imbalance. Like nobody got you. Nobody understood you. Um, maybe that's why you were angry for a bunch of years too, right? For sure. I wish I would yeah. have gotten into therapy uh, younger, but that being said, I didn't bring it up to my parents because I grew up in a household that was my brothers. So I have seven brothers, doctor, so plastic surgeon, anesthesiologist, dentist, lawyer, 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 lawyer. Jeez. I'm the seventh person. And then I have a younger sister, younger brother. So when you have super achieving, high achieving people, the last thing I'm looking to do is go to my older brothers and my parents and say, Hey, I'm, I'm feeling depressed and broken. It's like, no, no, you power, you power on, you know what I mean? Were you as brilliant and academically as those, uh, your brothers? No, they were all valedictorians. My brother ahead of me got the presidential scholar award. He got a perfect on his ACT, missed one on his SAT. <clears throat> he could have gone anywhere. They all went to BYU. <laughs> they could have gone anywhere and they all went to BYU. Brigham, Brigham University. Yeah, Brigham Young, which I got kicked out of. And that's a story, you know. We, oh, you are the black sheep of the family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, so you were suffering from depression. You couldn't go to them because all these overachievers are around. You must have felt lost. I, I mean, really. It, it, because I'm like, sure my they would have been there for me. Sorry. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, like, my best friend was one of these guys. He, he, he went to a six-year medical school. Like, he had to be a genius to do that. And I always felt like I was so stupid. Like, like, wh why can't I have that gift? I would imagine if I lived in a family of uh, of siblings that all were doctors, that were all the valedictorians of the school, it would reduce me to mush because I'd be like, well, where's where, when's this going to happen to me? When am I going to understand trigonometry? I feel like it did the opposite for me. I feel like it gave me drive to say, well, what are you going to do? Like, are right. you going to be a victim of that? Or are you going to like do something great? And all my brothers had bands that they played in growing up and none of them had a drummer. So then I was said, okay, well, I'm going to learn to play the drums because I'm going to be cool enough to be in a band with my brothers. So that's right. what got me into music. That's what drove me is I'm going to find my place with them. I'm going to prove my worth because they wouldn't just let me do it unless I was better than them at drums. So it drove me. It drove me. I feel like a lot of your songs, the reason I like them is because you, you, a lot of your songs have that fuck, like, fuck you. I'm going to prove to you. It's a sort of a fuck you attitude. Like, you know what? If you tell me I'm not good, I'm going to, I'm going to show you why I am. There is a certain, 
rage in those songs. Like, you know, it's a Mormon uh, rage. <laughs> it is, but it works. Um, uh, I was thinking about, I like the song Thunder because it really, to me, expresses that rage. I love the video, too. Who does these videos? Uh, do you guys create those, or do you hire some, some dude to come up with them? That was Joseph Kahn. Yeah. He was came him. up with that. Joseph Kahn. Depends so on the good. video. Yeah, yeah, Joseph Kahn he, is really... He nailed it. Yeah, he did a great job. Sometimes we'll come up with it. Sometimes the director comes up with it. Sometimes we'll have an idea. Director will... But that was all him. That was in Dubai? Yeah, yeah. Dubai, and that had all the dancers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dancers, that dancer who like almost dances on their ankle every time you hit the drum, like the for the thunder. <laughs> like, like, what, what's with that? I mean, that's amazing. What, it's a, is that a, a, a trick of photography, or is he really doing that? We we found contortionists that were also dancers, so they're all contortionists that have a history with dance and you know crazy makeup applied by expert makeup artists to make them look otherworldly. So they they actually bend their bodies in ways that normal people cannot. Every joint they have is double. Yeah, you got to watch that video. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have. I think it has billions of views. But there's a guy jumping on his ankles to the to the <laughs> drum beat, and I'm like, what? Well, this guy's gonna break his head doing this thing. But um no, I find I find the story amazing, and uh, you know, growing up the way you did, and I would think in a family like that, when you announce I'm going to become a professional musician, they probably looked at you like, "What are you doing? You should go into medicine. You should go find a real job." I would think, right? Yeah, I never said that because it's like telling you know, it'd be like telling my family like, "I'm going to be in the NFL." Oh yeah, you're going to like win Megabex in Las Vegas too. What else are you going to do? So no. it was uh, it was always just a hobby. I did ask my mom to go to Berkeley. Uh, which is where all the guys went, Berkeley School of Music in Boston. And when I was on my mission, I said, Mom, can I come home and go to Berkeley? And she said, no, it's too expensive. And wow. I wasn't good enough to be able to get a scholarship either. So it made sense. Um, but I went to BYU, and then I got kicked you out. Think so it was like, that was, you know, that's the way it was. Why did you get kicked out of BYU? What did you do? I mean, it's so easy to get kicked out of BYU. It's like not like some rebellious thing to be like. But... I had sex with my girlfriend in high school and I hid it for four years from my mom. She was Catholic. I wasn't allowed to have a girlfriend to begin with. And then she was Catholic and Mormons, you know, Catholic oh Mormons. God. It's so hit impressive. It and then, yeah. And then I confessed to it because I'm just too honest. So I went to, when I went to BYU, they sit you down and they say, okay, are you living the word of wisdom? So are you smoking or drinking? I said, no. Are you, are you living a moral life? And I said, yes. And I didn't even, to be honest, I didn't feel guilt about it because I loved this woman. So even though I had like crazy guilt issues that I've been working on for a long time, I was like, and then he said, you know, have you had sex? And I said, yes. <laughs> and then they, and then they made a, went in the other room, made a phone call. And then I went home to my mom. Don't you think that most of the kids who go to Brigham are lying when they say they, they have not had sex? They lie. Yeah, They lie or now it's changed and, or they just happen to have a bishop that's relaxed. And they're like, yeah, this guy was like, nope. You know, asked me how many times I had sex. You know, it was like, it was an awful experience for me. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, it was a really awful experience. <laughs> like you're in Brigham. I just got to understand this. You're in Brigham. You're going to classes. They pull you into a room. I guess they do this with every student at some point, And they say to you, all right, dude, are you having, did you ever have sex with your girlfriend? Like, in other words, it's an interrogation, not interrogate, but it's a, it's a question. You and do you it your know whole it, life, though. At 12 years old, I was in a room with a bishop saying, hey, are you masturbating? Are you, you know what I mean? They, and you I'm lie so and you say no. I did lie, yeah. Yeah. It's, but of course you lie because you still want to be, you want to be accepted. 
Yeah, and also you have to pass the sacrament at church, and you can't, and you can't do that if you're unworthy. And then everybody sees that you can't do that, oh, and then they're like, wow. "What's he done?" Yeah, Jesus, it is crazy. I mean, uh, oh, that's a, it, no wonder you were depressed. I yeah, mean, but it gave me a career, I guess. Like I look at it all, it's funny because I, I genuinely like I hear it. I'm like, I, I in my twenties, I felt like a victim to it. Now I feel like, damn. That was that worked out great. <laughs> you know, I'm like, damn, every kid should go. More, more. <laughs> you know, maybe. But how? But how deep was your depression? Did you ever feel suicidal? Did you ever feel like I got to get? I just got to end all this? Or were you? Were you not that bad? Uh, I had I had a point um, over the last decade where um, I, I had thoughts like that, but never um, never in my youth because I believed in heaven. Right. It was when heaven fell apart. It's when all the Legos kind of like when your foundation went, then I was like, wait, so it's all nothing. Wait, so what's the purpose? I had, no, I had no foundation. Whereas people maybe built a foundation of like, there is no purpose and it's great. Have fun. Like I, no purpose for me was like a dark, desolate hole. So what's the point? And why? I think it's great you talk about this because people would assume maybe in your youth you were depressed, but no, you say here I have, I have fame. My music is accepted. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a rock star, which is the job everybody in the world wants to be on that stage. At least we think we do. And that's when you said, that's when you be thought of suicide, like not, you know, you're at the top of your game. And that's the thing that's so hard to understand, you know? Um, yeah, I think, um, I think it's, first of all, it's really prevalent with musicians. Like I was at, where were we at? Some, uh, charity thing music cares. music cares and they talked about i think 75 percent of musicians struggle or artists struggle with severe depression anxiety and um yeah, why what's you know, your theory on that the lo uh there's a loneliness to the road for sure and then you never want to complain about it because then you're the the complaining rock star um right. and uh you're also probably prone like the reason you get into music is maybe you're you're prone to being sensitive or you're you're in touch with you know, truth is so important and, and you're hyper focused on is this a lie? Is this the truth? Is life real? It's, it's like, I don't, I, I can only speak for myself, I guess, but for me, it's like, I'm so hyper concerned on why the hell are we here and what is this even about? And I can't let go of that. I'm obsessed with it. I me still too. Yeah. I, I, here's what I, when I saw my father die and my father went, my father lived a long life. He lived to 99 years old. Mm. And I sit there and I go, and I, and I keep saying to myself, what the fuck was it all about? Like, what did, what was his life? Okay, yes, he, he, he had children and this and that. But where is he? It's like, what was the point of all of it? What, what are we really doing? And then I came to the conclusion, like when I'm painting or even maybe doing the radio show or something, those are the things that bring me joy. And I guess that's the point. And those things are what we're here to experience. I, that's the best I can come up with. Do you believe that? You, you, you ever feel his consciousness again or see him or, you know, any, any. Uh, no, I don't believe it, but I, I wish it could be true. I want it. Yeah. And I want it just because maybe I could connect with him at some point because I never could, you know, never could while he was alive. That was my, my feeling like, what, why didn't I connect with this guy at all? Why did he never call me son? Why did he never put his arm around me? Why did, you know, I want to know, you know, but you never find out. What about Maybe. you? Do you do you still believe in God? So <clears throat> every night before I go on stage, I say a prayer. Um, 
I, that word still feels like triggering to me, but I say something before I go on stage. I, but in the beginning it was, dear God, you know, help me to go out here, help my voice to work, help me to, to have, to be, have good intention to connect with these people, to bring happiness, joy, love, whatever I'm supposed to do, let it be in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then the next year it was like, dear universe or something, whatever's there. And then in the name of, Whatever is truth. And then, you know, flash forward to now and it's I'm about to go on stage tonight. You know, if there's anything out there. <laughs> right. Calling, That's calling where you're at. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I, you know, yeah, I, I still do because it brings me comfort. But do I believe in God? I don't know if there's any God. I'm maybe I'm not an atheist because I feel like that's to me personally. I feel like that's as crazy as Mormonism. I'm like, how do you know? And how do you know? How does right. anybody know? I, I don't trust anybody who tells me they know. So I'm somewhere nothingness, but whatever agnostic or whatever the term is. You know. I think that's where I'm at. Nobody has any idea. I mean, I know sometimes when I'm walking around and I see like I, I just see the, the earth. I see the sky. I see this. I go, how could something so beautiful exist? How could we not see the creator in the creation? You know, that kind of thing. But, you know, it, my logical sort of scientific self says, I, I don't, I think this is all random, you know, and that scares the shit out of me. I don't know. Yeah. We argue about this a lot. <laughs> me and Wayne yeah. have arguments like every day about the simulation theory, whether this is a, th a simulation and oh base reality. And, <laughs> and I think Wayne is probably, you can speak for yourself about your belief, but are you, are you an atheist? Yeah, I'm an atheist. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what that is. I don't. It's 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 not a claim. Like a lot of people think atheism is a claim that there is no God, but it's just a rejection of a claim. It's just saying there's no reason to believe that there is a a God. You know, it's funny. I'm sitting here thinking about you guys are a rock band and everything. But think of how things have changed. Like you guys are discussing whether there's a God. I mean, like Led Zeppelin was out on the road. I think fucking people with an octopus. You know what I mean? Like it's like what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, we're not exactly typical. I guess in that way. <laughs> right. No, but, but good it changed, you know? I, uh, when you talk about depression though, did you ever, do you ever, um, wonder about, about Chris Cornell, Soundgarden, uh, uh, famously, uh, Kurt Cobain, these guys, super talented guys like yourself. Uh, you got it all. You can sing, you can write and this and that. And then you see what they did. Is that the fear in your life that, oh my God, I can turn into those guys? You know, uh, so I have four kids. I have three little girls and a, and a two-year-old little boy, a 10-year-old, twin five-year-olds, well, and two-year-old. And, man, I, th I think also just when Chester died, that, um, and I was able to, to have him speak a little bit with his wife, and I don't know if there's any words to, to, to put on any of it. I, I don't have any grand notions about it. It's... Um, I just, having children has been a great help for me, but also, um, I don't, you know what? I don't know. What's, what was your question there? <laughs> I'm talking, it's I always sad. You see, it all I, sucks. Yeah. No, it all sucks because yeah. I, I knew Chris Cornell from the show. You know, I interviewed him many times. He came, this guy, I mean, he could sing, he could play, he could write. And I still do not accept that he committed suicide because he was so beautiful. He had everything I would want in life physical beauty uh you know this talent this the voice i mean the guy could play guitar like, one of the know. best voices of all time mm -hmm. of all, all time, time. undisputable and, 
Yeah, and I, I'm like, well, what do you mean he killed himself? And he had kids. You know, I, I don't. By the way, you're, you're a good dad. I saw you when you were composing a song. Your daughter walks in and starts like, you know, asking you questions and stuff. And at least you, you're like, you didn't say, hey, kid, get away from me right now. I'm composing. You were like, that's because uh, I was on heard... video hard. I, was I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> See, that was my theory. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, beautiful uh, child. Come over here and sit on my, <laughs> my lap. And also, what uh, you did release that you're, you're, you're separating from your wife. I would imagine this is a, a, a tough thing for you, too, because you, you, you love your kids and you love parenting. I'm a divorce guy. It was one of the most painful things to admit publicly. Um, I, I hated come. I came on the radio and I said, I'm, I'm getting a divorce. And it was it was shocking to people. And I feel the same thing for you, too, because, uh, you know, you're, you're, it, it comes out of nowhere. Was this a horrible thing for you to have to go public with? I mean, people invest in it, too, right? Like, so all your yeah. friends invest in it, uh, your family invests in it. Um, and why, and the notion of having to be public about something sucks, too. Like, why why do you have to? But but um, you kind of do in this position, right? Because your life yep. is... That's what, what, what you sign up for it. Sign up for it. Yeah. Um, I love her. She is my best friend and an incredible mother. And we are going to be great parents our kids yeah. uh, and relationships are so complex um we were over we were together over a decade wow uh and we went we split up and got back together kind of like kind of one of those like can't live can't live without things you know is that but, the hardest uh, thing in the world to to after you split up to go back to someone uh, it's a very difficult right it felt like it just was it was supposed to happen you know what i mean it's like one of those things where it was like it just happened because it was supposed to happen, and now here we are, four years later, and and uh, at the close of of a chapter, and it feels hard. It feels like mourning for me, to be honest. M O U R, but uh, it also feels like you know I'm just on the path that I'm supposed to be on in life, and so. Do you think it is? Do you guys think, especially for musicians, with with the COVID lockdown? Do you think that puts strains on relationships that are so unnatural? I mean that, you know, you guys are used to going on the road. You guys are used to um, having a certain amount of separation, too, from your family and your spouse, which sometimes can be healthy. Um, do you think that COVID contributed to the dissolution of your relationship at all? No, I actually think COVID was, for us, a great time because I got to spend a bunch of time with my kids at home. It was no more road. It was just being home. And I know for some people, it was like, wait, now I have to be around you all the time. I can't stand you. Um, that wasn't that wasn't the part of the relationship that was hard. Right. Um, we really enjoyed that time and felt very grounded. I got to like take you know walk the dog every day and like make breakfast and like be dad. And that was wonderful. So you guys. You know, it, it's got to feel good. But speaking of COVID, you know, uh, it's got to be good to be back on the road, able to promote the new album and all of this. Um, so with, with, with the new album, and maybe we should do this, if you're up to it, I would love to hear. I know you're going to do one song this morning yeah, and yeah. we can play a couple of tunes from the new album because I want to ask you about them. But, jeez, um, this song that you're going to do. Is this the one that has, I think, two billion views 
on YouTube? Because I was going around. Something crazy like that, that two billion. Is this the one that has two billion? This is called Believer. Um, it's a huge hit song for you guys. Uh, wh- wh- it's the two billion one, right? Yeah, it's got to be. I think, <laughs> I, so. I, I think that's yeah. right. It went diamond. You mean, I know that it just went diamond recently, which was incredible. Um, it's hard to fathom. Hard to, hard to you mean you guys don't check that every day? You don't go on every <laughs> no, day? No, we go, do. Oh, our manager see. our manager sends us things. I think it's our fourth song to go diamond. Am I right? Fourth? Or three? I don't know which, but it's... I think four. Let's say four. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're confident. Four. <laughs> four it is. No, we it definitely blow- care about that. We, we, we absolutely care about it. Our manager sends it to us, and we... we uh, I don't know. How do you celebrate that? I, you can't even fathom it. And, and when you say numbers like that, I'm like, yeah. I mean, we're going to like India and Africa for the first time. We get to go wow. like, it's, we feel, it's pretty, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah what was it? Right before COVID, you guys were going to tour Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. And that, um, of course, can't happen now. Isn't that crazy? I mean, the fuck is We got to meet with there? President Zelensky just a couple of weeks ago on Zoom, which was Oh, amazing. no kidding. Yeah. Imagine Dragons met with President Zelensky. Yeah. Yep. Wow. On Zoom. How does that happen? The band is for, uh, the band is really big in Ukraine. It's like one of our biggest territories. Um, I think it's the first place we played the stadium, and um, so we've always had kind of a, a connection with Ukraine. It's like the Beatles and Imagine. Dra- I mean, sorry, the Harry Potter and Imagine Dragons are like very <laughs> cultural, like big in in, in uh, Ukraine. So we were, uh, yeah, I think we just spoke up about how we felt about the war. And they reached out and asked if we want to meet on Zoom with Zelensky. And we said, well, absolutely, we want to meet President Zelensky on Zoom. Wow. met with him, and uh, he was amazing. And what do you talk, do, do you get nervous for something? Because you could probably say to yourself, well, I mean, who am I to be meeting with President Zelensky, who is in the middle of the war with Russia? But I understand why he's meeting with you. You guys are influencers. You guys have a lot of um, clout with people. I guess his goal is to ask you to either visit the country uh, to, or to talk about the country and keep it on people's minds so they yes. don't forget what's going on. That's the main thing he asked. He said, when you're on stage, tell the people of America to not forget about us. And I, th- I, I, I thought that was in, it was important also because I feel we're in this day and age where people are like, words mean nothing, right? Because we're so inundated with it. It's like, yeah, 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 words, whatever. But he was like, no, words, not like enough people talk about it on Twitter, then it's trending and then it gets in a headline and politicians feel more pressure. He's like, please just like tell people when you're going on tour, don't forget about us. You know, war is raging on here. That, that, that helps. Yeah, you know, since you're so popular, it must be a special heartache for you guys to see what's going on there. I mean, these people had a nice life. For what? What is this guy invading their country for? For, To what end? What? More power? More? I mean, it is just sickening. And uh, I'll tell you what. I like how Biden's supporting the people of Ukraine. And I like how he's rallying NATO behind them. And uh, I'll tell you, that's a big win. And uh, these guys are the bravest soldiers. The way they're fighting those Russians, I am blown out by their courage. I truly am. It must have been unbelievable to talk to Zelensky and sit there on, uh, what, on Zoom, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's just really one of the most inspiring people, even though, you know, it was just, you know, over through a screen. It was still just being in his digital presence had like this, this air of seriousness to it. And it really... uh you know, you, you got a sense of the way people are suffering and the way he has this willingness and this strength and resolve to fight back and this dis- determination. He's not laying down and, you know, 
he he's in it, he's in it till the end. Hey Ben, what's going on with you giving away all your money? I saw uh, I read something, man. You're, you're a generous guy, uh, giving away a thousand bucks a day. To yeah. you read something in the paper if somebody's hurting, uh, you you send them a thousand bucks, right? You did it every day. Yeah, I did it every day for a year during the pandemic. You know, we uh we started a nonprofit organization called the Tyler Robinson Foundation that uh raises money for the families of children uh suffering from pediatric cancer. And when the pandemic hit, we lost a lot of our means of fundraising. You know, we couldn't have our gala, we couldn't go out in person, we couldn't do any, you know, concerts to raise money. So the organization was suffering and you know, it, it was kind of across the board. Uh, nonprofit organizations all over were suffering. And I I had this platform that I hadn't been using in so long with no concerts. It's like, why post on social media? So I just decided uh, one day that I was depressed about not doing anything. So I would start doing something every day. Took $365,000, put it in a separate account. And every day would find some cause that needed support, put a post, get them a little more awareness and... uh Give them a thousand dollars. Just try to uh, inspire a little bit of hope and goodness, dude. When when word gets out, you're giving a thousand dollars away. You must have been inundated with with like. Rec- I mean, <laughs> it must be insane. It's like yeah, that I, old TV show Millionaire. This guy used to give away a million dollars, but everybody was after him to give him a million dollars. I mean, it, it, you must get an insane amount of email, right? I have like two hundred and sixty-five thousand unread emails in my inbox right now. <laughs> I got I got uh, North Shore Animal League on there too. Uh, got to include good. them. Uh, but, but do you yeah, get some assholes who like are like, hey, man, um, look, can you send me a thousand dollars? I don't leave anything going on. Just give, give me a break. Yeah. A lot of people on social media, like tagging their friends, GoFundMe is like, hey, my friend's car broke down. Send him a thousand dollars. He really <laughs> likes your music. <laughs> wow. That's just crazy. So getting back to the question, guys, when it comes to writing music, am I right? We never answered the original question. Mm-hmm. Am I right about this that you... Listen to music as a kid. You fill your head with this music. Then you say, hey, I'm going to try and copy that music. I try to learn it on the piano. I try to learn it on the drums. I try to do this. And then is that the trajectory? Is that the way I become a songwriter? I have to then, like, at what point do you know you're writing your own original music and you're not trying to sound like the Rolling Stones or the Beatles right. or the Who? When do you find also that out? part of the process where you're trying to learn songs and you're getting them wrong and then you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then you go off in a different direction from that. So there's sort of this parallel, you know, experimentation, you know, developing your mistakes that you kind of go through when you're learning music, too. It's a and I'm sure it's a different process for everybody. Do you think you have to, is is learning music like learning how to play the bass guitar, learning how to play the piano? Do you have to have a very high level of intelligence or is it something anyone can learn? I believe you need and you need a lot of intelligence, almost a mathematical skill. I, I think it's more sometimes I actually think no, no. I think um there's some people who are not intelligent musicians who are fantastic writers. It's like you'll hear some bands that like they do one thing and they just do it great and it's creative and it's strange and it's just them and they only write songs like that every song sounds like that kind of but it's great and they exist on forever give me an example who does um who's great at one thing but they do it so well that they keep just blowing your mind 
I don't know. Do you guys have anybody that comes to mind? I feel like then I'm going to put somebody on blast and they'll be like, hey, I do two things. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I, I want to understand in the worst way. Like, uh, okay, like, I'll give myself as an example. That's really okay. the easiest target to pick on. Uh, I love hip hop. I grew up on a ton of 90s hip hop and then melody. Right, so I said everything my dad listens to. Very melodic. I want to hear every word. I want to understand what he's saying. So I didn't grow up on rock, and we're we're put as a rock band because we play our instruments live. It's and, and that's fine. I don't care whatever you want to call us. That's what we are. I like to, uh, and I started beatboxing before I did anything because I that's that I couldn't get an instrument over by the microphone. I was stealing my brother's microphone to record when I was twelve. So I would be like, you know, the first song I ever wrote was like. And then I was all by himself, no other one around. He stood all alone. When would he be found? And did he want company? Or it was like this bluesy, like, uh, like thing that was mixed with with uh percuss percussion so everything i write i like the hard-hitting percussion and rhythm of 90s hip-hop so i grew up on like tupac biggie outcast a lot of like the hip-hop that was going on in the 90s and then um but very melodic i that's what i do I, and it's that's that's like every song we do like when we were going to play believer it's like very like bluesy first things first i'ma say all the words inside my head you know, that's that's pretty melodically similar to what I just did right there. Right. Uh, but it's, you know what I mean? It's, and But then there's a lot of kind of almost rapping melodic, like, but they never did ever, you know what I mean? A lot of that. So yes. that's my one trick pony. I'm like, I, I like music no, that's rhythmic. But that's two tricks. That's that's more than one trick. Right, but that's, that's why I said like, every artist I would say would say, I have two yeah. tricks. <laughs> when you do this part, when you do this song and you do the... Like, I, I go, how does he do that, you know? Because it does sound like rapping to me, and then uh, but then you get you get very melodic. So that's a lot. That's pretty complex to be able to do both. All right, listen. Let's quit fucking around. Let's do a song. That's what we're here to do, right? Right. Let, let's get everybody excited. Imagine Dragons. Ronnie, just Ronnie, seventy-three-year-old Ronnie, who worked for me, just went to that. your concert. He's like, he's like, he, you're turning him on. I mean, uh, you, you boys attract people across the board. This guy's got one foot in the grave, and you're turning him on. He got well, out. Go. Came Thanks, to the concert. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Ronnie. Yes. Who's for Ronnie? Sounds dedicated. Shout out to Ronnie.
Of that song, I've never. I, have you ever done it that way before? 
that no, way ish. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've played around with it. Um, I think uh, it, was, it just felt fun to kind of do it a little more jazzy. All the guys' roots are very jazz oriented. They all went to Berkeley for jazz. Um, so we thought, well, why not do a little jazzier version? You know. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, and also, I'm I'm struck by the you know your musicianship today. You don't see a lot of bands, you know, playing. And, uh, you know, you, you see people kind of singing a track and all that kind of stuff. It's just a great mesh of voices. How how often do you guys, like, do you rehearse that before you come on here? Or do you, do you is there, because the, the singing, you know, the harmonies, how's that all worked out? Do you sit down in a room and try it without any instruments when you do a harmony like that? How do you prepare that? Yeah, I think that? that's how this one went down. We kind of, uh, you know, we, we were all in a room without our instruments. We were like, let's run through the chorus. And, uh, you know, I think we were like, okay, if, if he's going to go low, then you go high. And Who yeah. goes low? T t tell me how you guys break <laughs> it down. I want to know. Pull back the curtain a little bit. If you listen to all our voices, who do you think goes low? I mean, I, I sometimes uh, take take the low, pe <laughs> the low parts. Mr. Radio, you are the right bass there. player. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, right. you know. Um, so, so you all have your part, and then, and then, what happens? Do you do it individually? Take me in a room. You're about to yeah. rehearse that. Show me what you guys do. You know, we all. You know, everybody, when we were at, at Berkeley College of Music, we all had to write, like, arrangements for five horn parts and everything. We all, like, learned how you're supposed to write harmony lines. So there's a little bit of an autopilot thing that happens when we start singing where we all kind of find, if we all find a different first note, we all sort of know the way it's supposed to go sort of intuitively. What are you singing under there when when Dan's doing the lead? What are you, what are you singing? Well, actually, in this song, I'm doing a higher part. You made me a, you made me a believer. Believer. That's your part. Yeah. And then, Dan, what do you do? You go high? You made me a, you made me a believer, believer. Yeah, the kind of the octave up. And then oh, Wayne wow. and I are down low. Made me a, you made me a believer, believer. And then and now, three parts. And then bring it all together now, please, one, without two, any. Three, four, one. You made me a, you made me a believer, believer. That's beautiful. Was that one of the criteria when you guys came together as a band? We have to find guys who can not only play, but they need to be able to sing harmonies and stuff. Was that, or was it just <laughs> a bonus? I wish that we had that sort of power, but it was really like, no. So I, I, I was at BYU. Um, I got back into BYU because I went through the repentance process that was about six months, and then I reapplied, got back in. No sex. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor you. You're so repressed. Yeah. Oh, it's, hor it's a horrible story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to keep bringing it up. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad you do. Yeah. 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 Did you really? Um, you didn't have sex for six months? In other words, they threw you out of BYU. Yeah. And you confessed that you had sex with your girlfriend, so they had and to throw you out. I didn't have sex till marriage, till my wedding night. Wow. Is that true? After, that. After that, you did not have sex to your wedding night. Correct. Yeah. You must have been so backed up. I mean, you must have blown her head off the first night of the, uh, I mean, it must have been insane. If you only knew. Oh, if I could only have, is there footage of this? Is it ever going to come out? I mean, <laughs> the Mormon sex tape. The Mormon sex. That's oh, what they my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so you, you've only been with like two women in your life. This is what we're talking about. Yeah, well, uh, the life of a Mormon is certainly different than uh, your average show. He was raised Mormon, too. Yeah, 26 so for me. He's been with one woman. I was a sex camel for 26 So why don't you years? pick on him? Wait one a second. Oh, 
26, you didn't have sex until you were 26? And that's it. One, one woman. I'm a one-woman guy. What can I say? But, uh, let me understand it. So when you're a young man and your hormones are raging and you have a girlfriend, are there certain things you can do? Like, can she, can, forgive me if I'm being too graphic, but can she, can she masturbate you? Can she, can you, can you have anal sex with her? Or no, is it just no, a, no. Oh. no, no, nothing. Just yeah. kissing, Kiss. maybe. Kiss. Kissing. In fact, my mom, I remember driving in the car after a Mormon conference, which is where the prophet speaks to everybody. And then we were on the drive home and they had talked about no passionate kissing. And she had this talk with the, with the family of boys in the car. And she said, do you know what passionate kissing are? And we said, no. She said, it's, it's called, some people call it French kissing. And uh, that was a big no-no. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And what what is with the six months of um, of no sex? In other words, how, how, they can't check you. I mean, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's so hard to imagine. Well, I had to meet with a bishop every week, so I knew. Okay, I'm gonna have to sit in a room with this guy. He's gonna ask me this. So when you have that stranger sitting, <laughs> knowing that you're gonna meet with him, kind of helps in the moment to be kind of a. A buzzkill on the moment where you're like, well, I don't want to have to tell that guy. But I don't want to be a liar because maybe there's a God and then maybe I won't go to heaven. You know what I mean? There's a lot of play in that young kid's mind. And I, sex I believe, is so I terrible. Believed. Yeah, but yeah. sex is so terrible. Like, right. It's crazy. <laughs> what are you going to tell your kids? Are you going to be like, uh, I mean, okay, look, there is a certain value in valuing sex and not just like, you know, hey, I'm going to go fuck everyone I can get my hands on, uh, which a rock star can certainly do. So there is a certain teaching there that is valuable, but it's it, it's guilting you about sex so badly that it can give you real hang-ups, you know? I mean, good Lord. Yeah, that's the thing about, I mean, Mormonism in general, it's like, it's easy for me especially to, to point out all the negatives, and I've spent plenty of time doing that. But, yeah, there's also something to, you know, I was raised in Utah, in kind of the heart of Happy Valley, they call it, where, you know, 99% of my high school was Mormon. And, you know, the negatives are pretty obvious, but, you know, the positives were... Things like I knew every single one of my neighbors, like 400 people, you know, all around. I knew their last names. I knew what they liked, but I knew their the kids. Community, kind of. The sense of community is really hard to repli replicate, I feel like, in a, in a purely secular world. So I don't have the answer to how to navigate it, well, but there's the bullshit too. So it's like, I don't know. I don't have all the answers to it, but there were really nice things about growing up that way, to be like, to be, to be honest. But so funny how I view things. I knew 400 of all my neighbors, and I hated them all. So uh, it was horrible. <laughs> it was absolutely misery. You couldn't get away from them. <laughs> I'm glad you liked them. But no, I mean, oh, my God, the, the, the hang-ups about sex would be just terrible. Even, like, when you become an adult, you know, you got to... Uh, a lot yeah, of years yeah. of therapy. I, I, yeah, look, I I'm not going to raise my kids with that no. at all. Yeah. What kind of therapy are you doing? I, I do it, too. You know, I've discussed this with you, I think, the last time. I've been in therapy yeah. forever now, and it really helped me. I'm, uh, you know, Super I'm a couple helpful. Of, yeah. You do psychotherapy? I have I have done, uh, so I've done many years of therapy, over a decade of therapy, and then uh, I also have done ayahuasca. That was really helpful for me. I've also tried ketamine. ketamine. I've tried the, you know, clinical ketamine where you sit down, and they, that was that was actually pretty helpful, too. Um so I've tried a lot, do you of, think, yeah, a lot of things. Do you think your, your depression was clinical or do you think it was because of how you were raised? Do you, or is it both? I think uh, situational. Situational. I, had a, I was very happy when Mormonism worked for me. Right? right. So when there was a heaven and a hell, 
and you do X, Y, Z. I was a Boy Scout, so you this is this is the goal. You you turn twelve, you do Boy Scouts, you become an Eagle Scout. I'm an Eagle Scout. You do that, then you go on a Mormon mission. Then you get married, then you get married in the temple, and then and then you get a job, and then you die. But then you get to go to heaven, celestial, telestial, terrestrial kingdom. Make sure you go to the top one because that's where the party's at. Um, so it was all you know what I mean. Yeah. It was all like it was all solved. Every, question, every, every question is answered. Yeah. Every so when it's all gone, answered. then it's like, oh. What am I supposed to do? What's my step? There's no step. Okay? Yeah. It's so it really sets a kid up for disaster. Unless it works for the kid, right? That's why right. that's why if you sense a sense of reservation in the two of us that's like, don't kill Mormonism, it's first of all because we both all our family is Mormon. My whole family's still Mormon. His family's still Mormon. We're both protective of that, obviously. Second of all, it really works for some people. Like my mom. When I sit down with her and I'm like, Mom, X, Y, Z, wrong. She goes, right, but look at your family. Look how good we get along. Look how happy all your brothers are and their wives and their kids. And look, we all live on a community. They live on a community together in Vegas. Like, what families even do that with chickens and goats? And it's beautiful. And there's 40-plus grandkids running around in the grass. It's amazing, dude. It's they amazing. have their own compound. Yes, yes. That you're not a part of. <laughs> but, but at least it's easy I, I to go visit. I have a house on it, but I'm not, oh, not going to live there. But I have a house there uh, because I want my kids to... To, you know they have 40 cousins i'm not going to hold them back from that you know right being able to be around them but i also don't want them to feel shamed or feel like hey everybody's right and i'm wrong or i'm bad and they're good or like that dynamic that can happen with religiousness you know and non-religiousness did you guys ever did you have you guys ever watched porn like did you ever have you ever seen it i think all of us <laughs> yeah What's that? i've heard of it <laughs> you've heard of it so you guys I'm have. I'm mostly porn. into like pro like prolapse stuff, just like being uh -huh. prolapse anus. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what my uh, thing. Uh, which was, I, I think forgotten. your listeners are getting a little bit of everything yeah, today. The hype was real. We felt like no. it was a perfect setup because it was like, you know, Imagine Dragons. <laughs> I have to go watch some pissing stuff. Just out of curiosity now. Not, well, not, isn't not it true? It just, isn't it true? Imagine Dragons almost called themselves Prolapsed Anus as a band name. <laughs> it's, it's an anagram. You mix it. The anagram. Yeah. You still have not revealed the anagram to anyone. Why the, the name Imagine Dragons? Uh, that's still going to be the secret. One I feel thing we get to keep. You know. I feel like you're going to reveal it right now to me for a big exclusive because you love me so much and you're going to tell me why. I'm what can you offer us, Howard? What's well, on the table? Will, you, oh, will you get baptized Mormon? Okay, you know what? Shit, yeah. Tell you, what. Ooh, you let me baptize course. you Mormon. <laughs> yeah, what do I care? Ooh, I, can do I can do it. <laughs> we'll well, do what it right do I have now. to do? Is that, is that where you dunk me in water? Yeah, yeah. We'll find Full a immersion. We'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> do I have to be nude? Remotely. <laughs> It's preferable. And then you have to wear it's Mormon preferable. garments. You have to wear Mormon garments for five years under all I know, your the clothes underwear. after that. I'll yeah, yeah. wear the underwear. Let me tell you, you every religion has that. If I told you right now, you'd do it for five years. When I was a little boy, I had to wear a thing <laughs> called sitsits. And uh, it, so it's, like, it's just like the underwear with Mormonism. It's all the same stuff, you know? And I'll tell you when it all falls apart. I'll tell you, as much as you think your family and everyone else. I watch my mother now. My mother had beliefs that were locked in solid. Now I see her, she's old, she's 94, she's sick, and I talk to her, I go, Mom, so she looks at me, she goes, what the hell was it all for? What? And she's become, she's lost all faith, all belief. Where's your father? I go, Dad's resting in peace, Mom. She goes, whatever that means. <laughs> you know, like, she's become, like, all the beliefs went right out the window. It's really kind of a test once you get old. Mm, it really point. is. Yeah. Great Wait, point. you'll see i'm telling you you'll see it. my mom's i guarantee you my mom's gonna listen to this and she, while she's saying that she's gonna be like 
Ha <laughs> ha! Try me. Like she, she's how old is she? For how old is she's she? in her seventies, and so is my dad. Well, my mom's ninety four, right. and I'm right, telling right. you, in her seventies, my mother would lecture you in her seventies about she had it all figured <laughs> out. You go to heaven. You can decide if you're coming back, but if you don't, right. uh, if you don't commit suicide, you're able to. Uh, go to stay uh, in a higher plane or you come back and do it all over again. Don't ask the whole story over and over and over again. Now I go to it. She's, oh, now it's what happens. Horrible. <laughs> you know, it's like, for her. I mean, what I, the I hell? Like, yeah, no. I feel like it Reality. goes the other way sometimes too. It's like where they really, really cling to it. And yeah, sometimes I do feel like, to, like her mom, for instance, Marco, my grandmother, the best woman ever. She'd give me so much. Every time she saw me, you look terrible. You, why aren't you wearing a shirt under? Like, just would give it to you straight. But to the grave, she took it, man. And she did. I will tell you, you know what? I will. T I, then let me ask you this question, Howard, because, because of what you just shared. My uncle, I'm going to share something a little personal. Hopefully he's okay with this. My uncle's not Mormon in a family of so many Mormons. He's a brilliant heart surgeon, lives in Tennessee. And he sat down with me and he told me, don't do what I did with your mom. He said, I argued with her till she passed about religion. She, all she wanted was me to be born. I should have lied to her. I should have just uh -huh. said, you know what, mom? Okay, I'll go to church when you die. I'll go and I, and I will do it. He said, I should have said it and I didn't do it. So basically he told me to lie to my mom. Well, now it's all not going to work because my mom's going to hear this. <laughs> There yeah, but can I tell it you something? I'll be a good liar. I, I think it's really important for a mother to do one thing for her son before she dies. is to get to know who he really is and that and do it for you. Mm. And she cannot be um, dogmatic about her beliefs. She's got to accept you for you. That's the greatest thing she could do for you. That's my feeling. Mm. And she uh, has she has to a degree. She, uh, we've gotten to this point where I say, Mom, please don't bring up religion to me. She's been respectful about that. Right. But, um, man, do you know how much I would die to be able to sit down with my mom and have like a glass of wine? Right. You know, like it sounds trivial, I know. But for me, if she would give me that before I would die, I'll give her I'll go to church you know, 10 times or something. Be baptized again. Why don't, don't know, why don't why don't you ask her to do that? Ask her. Why don't you she's say, Mom, had, I need she's never touched it. And she would say, you know what? I'll ask her, Howard. I'll ask her. Because last time we did this, and you know, I'll ask her. What does that glass of wine mean to you? Does it mean that she's willing to meet you halfway? To give. To give. Yeah, to just like, you know, to like unwind. And, and, and then tell me it felt bad. Like, just try it to tell me it feels bad. Like, Jesus drank wine, Mom. She's like, well, unfermented, unfermented. You know, it's like, I just, there's so much gymnastics there. And life if this is nothing, right? If it's nothing, I just want to be able to sit down with my mom and see her get drunk. I want to see words, that. I want to see it. The I, wine you know. represents to you her meeting you halfway and saying, you know what? Let me see. Well, let me come over to your side for a minute. If this means so much to you, I'll do it for you. And let's see how it goes. It Granted, would I did do it for 20 plus years already so she does owe me for that man, right <laughs> i went on the mormon mission i did it you know let's talk about the new album your current double album mercury acts one and two uh by the way rick rubin produced this is the first time he produced you guys right yes what is it with rick why is he so wonderful <laughs> i mean uh i know rick well by the way is rick fat now or is he thin he, i see this guy sometimes he's the size of buddha and other times he looks like a, a ripped caveman. I mean, what is he right now? Give us an update He's on glowing. the. He's glowing. <laughs> yeah. He's glowing. Like a Buddha. 
<laughs> oh, uh, he walks the beach every day. I see him. Uh, I have a place in Malibu, and I, I would walk, and he would walk, and he's listening to podcasts every morning, and he walks right. forever. Is he thin? No, just little shorts. He just Rick looks Rubin hand- in little shorts. That's healthy. I, yeah, he looks very healthy. He, I mean, he does his fat intermittent fasting. He drinks this big. He has a big thing that he holds with two hands, and it, it's herbal drink. And he drinks it in the morning. Um, he, I, I mean, look, he looks great. I feel like uh, that man is one of my favorite humans. Mm-hmm. I I love Rick. Rick, be, uh, because he pushed you to be more honest in your music with your lyrics. That's the, I mean, the, that's the word I got. Yeah, that's great. But I just love him. He's 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 just interesting, and he believes in all kinds of crazy things, and he's not afraid to discuss it and get into it, and and I love that. Um, but he he's also gentle and kind and questions you and challenges you does all the right things weren't you afraid to go with a new producer when you've had success in the past with with other people in other words when you switch the, or is that a healthy thing to do in other words hey let's try something new but uh, you know we, we got to keep changing it up the latter yeah we wanted to yeah. change it up and it's rick and Rubin, you, so it's like you know and what did you do you brought rick you know you're a prolific songwriter you brought him 10 million songs and he weeds through them and says listen guys if you're asking my opinion do this one this one this one this one yes. did you we disagree with him at all songs 70 yeah. songs wow 70 we had 300 300 demos and he and he, and he said send them all by the way and we said no right. we'll send you 70 because that's <laughs> i don't believe you're gonna listen to 300 <laughs> but he sent us an email back like the next week every single song paragraph these are my thoughts very honest and I thought, for the most part, we all agreed he was right about... We agreed with, I don't know, 75% of it. It doesn't matter that Rick... Does Rick play an instrument? He does not play an instrument, right? I mean, I I know Rick, and I don't... I, in other words, it, to be a great producer, you don't need to write... You don't need to mm-hmm. physically play. Does he play an instrument? I don't really know. No, actually. but he his uh, catalog of music in his head, his internal Rolodex of music is amazing. And working wow. with him, that was kind of the way he would communicate, is he would say, well, let's listen to this, um, you know, Tom Waits performance um, real quick, because I think there's something really special there. And, I, and even if I can't really explain it to you in musical terms, I, when you hear it, I think you're going to understand what I mean. And he would always be, have some amazing point. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Can't believe you guys put out a double album uh, this day and age. Not too many people doing that. A, they, you know, everyone's in a rush to release their songs. Well, the first album did come out what two years ago, and uh, yeah, here, yeah, yeah. And let's play. Let me play a song. They, the first one up I'm going to play is Bones. I want to. I want to play a piece of this, and and this is something I think is a brilliant thought. You said you wanted to write a song about death and mortality. But it should be upbeat, which is a very unusual thought. You know, it really I is. Like the juxtaposition. I mean, yeah, because every time I'm I listen so to this song, I'm so tired of being go, about, sad about death. I'm tired of being sad about death. This is a happy song about death. It's like, yeah, we're going to die. Let's, okay. Like Let's <laughs> yeah. celebrate. In, in the yes, true probably. fashion of like Country Joe and the Fish, whoopee, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Come on, all you big strong men, you know, Uncle Sam needs your help again. Then they go off to Vietnam. Hey, whoopee, we're all going to die. It's a, it's a, it's a really crazy thought. This is a little bit of bones from Imagine Dragons' new record. It's happening. Give me, give me, give me some time to think. I'm in the bathroom looking at me. Facing the mirror is all I need. Wait until the Reaper takes my life. Never gonna get me out alive. I will live a thousand million lives. 
I've never been more excited about death than uh, when I listen to this song. You guys with the hooks and the big sound, do you guys go in a studio to record, or do you do all that? When I was watching you at home with that computer, mm. and you're sitting there uh, doing your thing, you could actually produce a whole album right in your home, right? I mean, it's a lot of the crazy. Songs, yeah, so a lot of the vocals I'll do at home like that. Um, but then we'll get into the, the studio together, and all of us will kind of pick apart the song, find out the parts that are good, find out the parts that are bad, rework them. Sometimes I'll re-record the vocals, but a lot of times I don't, because it's in that moment, it's more believable. And I try to replicate it, and it sounds like I'm singing words or something. When you released uh, Enemy from the uh, Volume 1, uh, you hadn't had a hit song in a while, because you hadn't released a song in a while. Yes, Did it blow yes. your mind that you still had the magic when this song came out, Enemy? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where from the very beginning, I remember having a conversation with our manager, <clears throat> my brother, and he was like, guys, now that radioactive has happened, let's have a real talk. It's never going to happen again. <laughs> what a, what set, a manager. What a yeah, he's like, manager. let's all just set our expectations lower. It's great. The song went diamond. It's massive. Let's just focus on not being a one-hit wonder. You know, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's get a song that's half that big and, and then be happy with it. Um and so, well, yeah, enemy, uh, enemy featuring J.I.D. Uh, by the way, I like that little uh, cartoon figure you guys put in the video of him. Uh, it was a very good, very creative uh, video. Uh, this is Enemy, a little bit of it from the new album. Imagine Dragons. So the silence that allows for my mind to run around with my ear up to the ground. I'm searching to behold the stories that I told when my back is to the world that was smiling when I turn. song man wow thank you gee whiz i gotta get back in the studio i gotta get in the studio not back i was gonna say what are you gonna do when you get there <laughs> i don't know that's the problem <laughs> big side you know at times too i even think you're channeling a little eminem there when you're doing that i you, love eminem you, yeah listen to it the first video i ever filmed like music video was standing on top of my mom's suburban doing um Palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, there's vomit on his sweater already. I, yeah, I love, I mean, I definitely am a child of the 90s, born in 87, so I love all that. Oh, my God. Everyone's my enemy. Who is your enemy? Who is everyone? Yeah, the song is really a realization of, like, laughing. At, again, it's it's like, I, I love this kind of, I'm in this place right now, I think it's from cynicism or what it is, but it's like, uh, it just feels like the whole world's a little bit of a simulation to me, and it's, I have such a crazy life it's kind of hard to believe when you're in this position and it's like one in a billion that it's all real 
I guess, kind of. Like, yeah, I'm just what, like, what, I, you told you that, that way? I don't know. I, you know, I was, t I forget who was telling me this, but someone was talking to me about musicians, you know, on your level, big, big hit bands and the whole thing. Musicians and actors live in their own reality because they can. Especially, it's the worst for musicians because you guys go on the road. Everything is done. You could create your own reality. Like, yeah. you don't even have to see another person again. You could live anywhere you want. You've got enough money. You, you Even in your profession, you don't have to answer to anyone. You don't have to answer to a boss. It could get really bizarre and dangerous to keep that shit real and keep yourself in check so you don't go off the wall. You know? And that's the point of the song is that it's it's basically saying what a small price to pay. Uh, like if if the even if the world was your enemy, uh, what a small price price to pay to do this every day. What a what a joy this is to create to to travel to to do music. And I think uh, it's kind of this the idea of it is is like and who cares? Like it all could be a. A simulation it all could be nothing it could all like but who's the enemy like is it is it the critics is it the people who are jealous of you do you experience people being jealous of you yeah i mean it just comes with the territory I th and yeah. i think as a younger artist that was that was a that was another hard lesson for me to learn it was like the second that you are elevated it's like well you signed up for that and you're gonna get criticism and it's gonna hurt and it did hurt quite a bit um did but did then, you did the criticism hurt the 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 people criticizing your music it, it, you took it to heart i don't think the critics hurt me as much as uh like fellow musicians people i listened to growing up having a snide remark or something like damn man i listened to like wow it's like very a weird moment like that meet your heroes never meet them or whatever thing that was hard that was that was hard uh, and then you get older and you're like you don't even know these people and also it's kind of funny and it's crazy and it's like wow i'm on that person's radar you know, there were artists, yeah, exactly. There were artists yeah. that you admired. Obviously, you're a big fan of music and and love musicians. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you meet your heroes, and they might even say, "Oh, Imagine Dragons, what a bunch of pussies!" Or you know, Imagine Dragons, right. oh, they, they, what is that bullshit they're writing? You know, I, I, right. about that kind of thing. Right, comes with oh. the territory. It's kind of like. Isn't uh, it, go ahead. No, isn't it the worst when you meet your heroes and they disappoint you? Yeah, yeah, uh, but I would say for the most part, I've felt. Strangely, uh, every time, at least when you meet someone, right, they're, they're going to be on their best behavior to you as a celebrity, especially, right? Yeah. Like, so the majority of the people we meet, they're like, oh my gosh, like, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It's like always going to be nice. <laughs> you don't know what's real. You don't know what's not. It's all, it's all just fake. It's all, I mean, but we sign up for that. This is where we are. And this is kind of comes with the territory, you know, but sometimes yeah, it feels like genuine. Paul McCartney was amazing. Eddie Paul better. Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder. I, I got to sit with Eddie Vedder and have a long conversation uh, about religion and life uh, backstage at one of these festivals. And that for me was like, made me want to listen to him even more. You know, so that happens too, where you're like, man, I love this person. What a, what a, like, wow. You know? Isn't he a magnificent human being, Eddie yes. Vedder? I've gotten to know him a little bit. He is a gracious guy. He really is. And he really yeah, is. He really is. He's not and sitting brilliant. there. <clears throat> In other words, he doesn't look at you as someone who's going to take away his fame or his music. In other words, knocking you is not in his repertoire. He's like, and I hey, think I'm that's happy a false notion. Like, do people really replace each other in this world of seven plus billion? But you do feel it, by the way. So you're right about that, Hart. I'm sure people have said that to you. Like, right, but this is like getting. It's like there's a competitiveness that I that it has no place in music, but it is. It's certainly there for sure. I get it. 
I mean, when I was a young man and I was on the radio, I wanted to just murder everybody who was up against me. You know what I mean? I mean, it was insanely like I got a. Uh, everyone should listen to me and listen to no one else. Like I was right. really <laughs> fucked in the head, which is something you cannot achieve or attain. You know. Right. So who was your biggest disappointment? You met them and you said, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> He said, oh, oh I, I, th I thought I they would love me. I don't think it's anyone we've ever met. That's the thing. Yeah, so, oh. so yeah, it's always the people we haven't met, right? It's the person, I'm going to meet them at some point, you know, and then we're going to have to <laughs> Will you say words. something? Like somebody who yeah. crushed you and that you read a comment and stuff. Yes, will you, will you yeah. say to them, you crushed me? No, no, uh, because it happened uh, when I was older and it didn't crush me, actually. <laughs> I think we all, it was more of a, I don't know, you see it different. I, I mean, when someone says something about you, do you, at this point, do you care? Like, is it, is yeah. it funny? Does it hurt? How does it feel? Probably a little too much. I'd like to tell you I don't, but I've got a thin skin. And uh, I, I'd like to think that people all get me and understand I was trying to entertain them. And, and and make people laugh who are miserable in their car on their way to work, but not everybody gets it. Not everybody feels that way about me. I'm highly controversial. I, I feel that too, though. But maybe if it was someone that you didn't respect, <laughs> that's what I'm right. saying. Right? You know what I mean? If it's like somebody yeah. you don't know, and you don't even care. Don't even care. Right, right. No, well, I mean, but if it's someone I cared about, yeah. yeah. I'm a little Trumpy that way. I want everyone to love me. That's all. That, that, that's what that guy's about. <laughs> you know? yes, he just wants yes. everyone to worship him. So, 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 somebody. Who, you won't give me a name. Who is it that your hero? Who said something? Okay. It's okay. Oh, not a hero. I haven't had a hero oh. that's done that. Yeah, right. I, I haven't. It's who it's, was uh, it? That's it. Um, man, I don't even want to give him FaceTime, yeah. to be honest. Oh, please. Like I, yeah. Let him know. It's not a terrible thing to say. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys want me to tackle this? Sure. Uh, yeah, so the the singer of a band called the 1975, they're out of okay. the UK, made a comment in something big. It was like the Rolling Stone. Uh, he said, you know, he was he didn't like the song radioactive and had some words to say about it wow. and i we've we came up kind of at the same time oh. uh and i don't know him right and but we came up in a way that i felt like a peer does that make sense right. like i felt like camaraderie in hey we came up at the same time we played south by southwest together maybe or something i can't remember i think south by Southwest. anyway but that was one of those moments where i was like man i'm gonna see you all the time like i'm gonna see right. you at a festival and this is like what why you know what I mean? And your point is, and in Rolling Stone, which is, you know, still means something to musicians. Yeah. Hey, you got your shot in Rolling Stone. Did you really need to devote time to us and, uh, you know, what we're doing? I mean, use it yeah. to promote yourself. Yeah. But that being wow. said, like, as the years go by, there's two things I'll say on that. One, <clears throat> kudos to him to having the balls to, like, say whatever he's thinking in an interview. Okay. I, as I get older, genuinely, I'm like, you deserve to say it. And you did do it, and that's the whole point of like, at least it's entertaining, right? It's like, it's like these songs are like at the end of the day, like Bones even is like, is this entertaining? Like if this is all right. a joke anyway, just say whatever the <laughs> fuck you want. But but at the time, I you know it was like, man, we're peers, so I'm sure I'll see him someday, and we'll laugh at it. Probably, I don't know for sure, but uh, but that's an example of someone who like talks shit, and it's like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? But this, I this will not me. fly. This will not fly. You are not a violent. No. You know what? I, you physically, violent. you know, it's funny with you physically. When I see you on stage performing, you're a pretty muscular big guy. I mean, you know how most rock stars are like waif thin, like uh, mm. the like like Mick Jagger and stuff. 
Uh, no. I bet you when you were young. Were you a football player or anything like that? No. Were you, uh, no. no. A lot of people have think that because I am I'm six foot four and I and I have a thing called ankylosing spondylitis. I think hmm. I told you about this. It's an autoimmune disease that makes it so the only way I keep it in remission is every day I have to flood all my joints. So I have to have strong hinge joints because that's where I get inflammation from food or just genetically I just have a disorder where my body attacks my joints. So every day, every day without fail, I have to go into the gym and I have to work out all my joints. And that's how wow. I found to not have pain without having to take serious medication, which I, I don't want to take serious medication. Sure. Like Humira or some of these like biologics that people take for anti-inflammatories. Right. Um, and because of that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm built larger than a typical musician. Um, I think you could beat the shit out of this guy from the 1970s. <laughs> That's what I think. I think you should tell, challenge him right now and uh, get, get ready for, for some, some action. Uh, so, 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 yeah, I, I don't, I have think the most two bands go at it. <laughs> right. I, and, and, and hey, let me I, tell you, I imagine no dragons. Beat, I'm a lever, not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> imagine dragons versus the 1975. Let's talk about a song, song on the new album. Pretty heavy song, man. No, more than heavy. It's uh, a song called Wrecked. Uh, it's off Mercury Act 1. By the way, the new album is uh, Mercury Acts 1 and 2, two album set. Uh, this uh, mourns the loss of Dan's sister-in-law, who was in her 30s, died from cancer mm -hmm. after being healthy the year before. That's the worst, man. When somebody's life is not realized, 30, you know, yeah. it, that's when you go, what's it all mean? With seven kids to my brother. She oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lovely woman, right? You loved her. She the best. But, and I and I happened to actually be in Texas with her at the hospital. It was just me, my brother, and her, and she passed. Happened. I was playing a show there. She was in the hospital doing surgery. They thought she was going to make it out fine. Stayed the night with my brother, and the, and, and then it just went went wayward. And it was my first time seeing someone here, and then not. And that was uh, it, it make it just makes everything feel so real in a really. Yeah. When you when you wrote the song, did you say to yourself, I'm going to write a song about her, my feelings about her death, or did it just come out of you when you were like kind of playing a beat or something? No, it just came out. Yeah, yeah. Just came I out. I think it was like wow. the week after I just sat down and it was like, and that's why I love music, right? It was like, it was very cathartic for me. Very, a lot of the, the majority of the songs I write never get heard, right? Like, I think maybe one twentieth. 50th of the songs i write actually get heard she died a week later you're sitting in your studio you're maybe putting a drum beat down or something with that computer that you have it's amazing process yep. and all of a sudden you the lyric comes out of you it wasn't planned it just came out about her this is what came and it out was at that computer yeah okay wrecked Days pass by and my eyes they dry and I think that I'm okay Till I find myself in conversation fading away The way you smile, the way you walk, the time you took Teach me all that you had done Tell me how am I supposed to move on These days I'm becoming everything that I hate Wishing you were around but now it's too late My mind is a place that I can't escape your ghost
just wrecked me, dude. Got me crying. That is one, especially hearing what it's about. Man, you nailed that song, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Art. What a beautiful song, Wrecked, from uh, Mer Mercury Acts 1 and 2. Man, that's that's amazing that you can do that, that you can put all that emotion into a song. Hey. But, I mean, uh, what are you going to say? I see what you mean. It's a journal. It's you getting all the emotion out, and it's not always so easy for a guy to do that, and then suddenly the music comes out of you. Were you shocked when you wrote that? Were you like, oh, my God, what, what is this? You know. No, I think I felt we don't even play that live much often because I hate playing it live because it feel like some songs I feel like are meant to just be recorded and let go of. And that was one of them where I feel like I, I recorded it. I listened to it. I sent it to my brother. Um, and and I don't always do that. In fact, I, I don't think I've ever sent a song to him, but I sent that one to him. Because I felt like I wanted to share, you know, we shared that moment in the hospital together and I just wanted to, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like we were saying in the beginning, right? Music is like magic. So I think yeah. there was some sort of hope that it felt, you know, good for him to listen to or cathartic or to have a cry to or just commemorate. What do you say about it? He said he loved it. Yeah. yeah. He said, yeah. <laughs> Heavy song. A lot of good songs on here. I'll play another one. It's okay. Um. You said this is, this was inspired by Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. Yes, yes. You know, I was just thinking, with all the songs you have, does any do any bands ever approach you, or, or even um, uh, classic artists who aren't really doing that much writing of their own anymore, do any of them ever contact you and say, hey, write me a song, or would you would you lend me a song, would you give me a song? What I mean, no one approaches you about that? No, I think it's such a touchy thing. Maybe on like smaller levels or something, but big level artists, it's like there's so much... It's not ego. I don't even know if ego is the word. There's a lot of, you know, it's like it's, I wouldn't ask someone, you know, it feels personal, very personal. But I'm, I mean, I'm sure it happens. Yeah, but, but like, I, like I, I Rihanna. I can't happening with this. But let me ask you, Rihanna uh, has Sia write songs for her. Like, why right. does no one say to you, listen, you're such a prolific songwriter and, and you obviously have the touch. I mean, the magic of making hits. I'm surprised no one ever says to you, hey, let's collaborate. I started as or, that. I started yeah. as a songwriter, as a ghostwriter. In fact, so oh. before the band happened, I was doing ghostwriting for for pop stars. But I um, did you I have any know, hits? Did you I have don't any love hits doing with, that? Did you have any um, hits with the pop star? Um, no. I mean, define hits. I will. I've had I've had some songs. One one of which that I am a ghostwriter on that I can't say that did well. Oh, I'll no kidding. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? You mean your name's not on the credit? Is a really complex situation. No, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, it's really complex. This is something I, I will tell you that off air. I'll tell you okay. that off air. Yeah. A and this artist hired you to come in and write and, uh, or, or bought a song of yours and said, yes. hey, I don't want, you know. yeah. Does that drive you crazy yeah. as an no. artist? Because th that's your no. baby. No, no, that was, that's more just like making money for the family. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see it as that, um, I wasn't like I was writing a song. They were like, write a song about this. So it's not for me. I, I'm okay. not thinking. You know what I mean? I wouldn't. Wow. I wouldn't give a song away if I felt like it was that. You know. No. Jeez, that's an amazing story. I can't imagine why you can't. I mean, I understand you can't say it from a legal aspect. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, didn't it, put my name on it because I did not want to be a part of it. That's the short of it. That's like me giving you that the. the is it a song I, was, I would recognize from an artist? I would recognize. Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, probably yep. me. Yeah. Oh. oh my God, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's just. I wonder what else you, you guys hate aren't the telling song? me. Do you? Hate no, I don't hate the song. I don't hate the song. I just it had. I just didn't want to be a part of it. Artistic Did you ever drive around and hear it on the radio or anything, and then go, "Oh, wait a second, that's my song." Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is crazy. I got to hang with you guys. I'll probably come out to <laughs> Vegas with Ronnie. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. Come to Vegas whenever. And we'll watch porn together. Fuck it. <laughs> and I'll baptize you. Know you. Know I mean? right? That's you baptize me. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Here's the one inspired by Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. So, in other words, you love Walk on the Wild Side. I do. Great song. And you tried to, what, get that bass vibe? You know, the, the you know. This was Rick's tea. idea. Rick, Rick huh. we had, this song was produced completely different. And Rick was like, I really like the song, but the production just feels too square. Wow. And uh, and so and he, he didn't say, you know, do, I don't even think, he didn't say Lou Reed, but I went in a back room and I started to play around with bass samples. And then and that's, and I was, and I was like, oh, this feels like Lou Reed a little bit, like the vibe. The... Yeah. She could always hear every word they say. inspired see that answers my question right i did think of that when you're saying that listen to a song be and for sure that that absolutely happens in the studio all the time for sure yeah for artists. Oh, absolutely no oh, it's very cool uh well there's so many good songs on here um the, I, I was going to play a uh, um cutthroat too because it's about a friend's recent suicide another of uh, a hard topic i bet you don't perform this one live a lot right this song is like impossible to sing live it about killed my vocal doing it um you can hear, I don't know if you can tell, my vocal right now is totally ripped. We've been on the road for like nine months, and we just stopped for like two weeks, and then we go to South America. But I'm, my vocal's are, are you doing? Destroyed. Are you doing too many shows? Is that the problem? Like, in other words, are you ripping up your voice? Do you need to cut back a little bit? Uh, no, it's more just like, it comes with the terror. It's just road-weary. Nine months is a long time to be going straight, and so we just need a break. Two weeks, I'll be fine. Yeah. Why you do nine months because of the new album and you want to really work the album? I mean, yeah. that's old school. That's the way you got to do it. You got to go yeah. out and play these songs for people, and then they go out and they they want the music. Um, yeah. but you need a certain amount of time off, I guess, with your voice. Yeah, we do. We've gotten better at that. Usually, we did three days on, one day off. Now we don't do that anymore. That's too intense. We don't do that. Is it also like, oh man, all the years I wanted this and now I have it, and so now it's like, yeah. you got to get out on the road and do it, man. And anybody it. deserves it and could take it from you, and you you don't even deserve to be here. That's how you feel, right? Like, like, we don't even deserve to be here, so take the shit. That's why even when it comes back to like what we were saying, like the 1975 or anything, it's like take the shit. You deserve the shit. Take it. Right. You signed up for it, and now you get to be here. So what do you get? Like work hard, like get get it, because everybody wants to do it. Just like you said, everybody wants to do it, and so. You know, be grateful. This is cutthroat. Who is this friend, by the way, that you wrote this about? So 
that's that's a they don't know you like I do, which is the last song on the record. That mm-hmm. cutthroat is not about him. Um, oh. That would be very graphic. <laughs> I see. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but yeah, they don't know you like I do is a song on the record that's about uh, my friend who who took his life. But cutthroat, this is a song about um, Rick. Man, Rick, this was another real Rick Rubin moment where he just made me go there. He was, I was like, this is too heavy. I don't really like to be this heavy. He's like, no, be that heavy. Do it. Um, and it's a, it's the, the the spirit of competitive, like that competitiveness, the spirit of just like wanting. It's 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 actually self destruction. It's like hating a part of me, hating a part of me that I've all like. I hate the guilty Mormon victim in me. I hate it. I hate it. Even talking about it with you, I'm like, ah, right, right. But I'm like, not of it. I hate that part, and I've lamented about it for decades. I can't write about anything else, and I'm like, stop writing about it get over it the song is about killing that part of me you hate the part of you that um hates the guilt of like when you criticize mormonism all of a sudden you're like oh i'm guilty i'm guilty i'm guilty that's the part yeah obsessed victim a victim of religion i hate i'm like i'm not a victim of religion like it, it there was great things that came from it and it was my part of my life and whatever like the part of me that's like okay okay tell byu and like wrote these sad songs i'm so angsty like God, as I get older, I'm just like, wow, that's such a youthful... Well, but you're entitled to that. I mean, you were know, a victim. But, yeah. You were. You you really were put through shit with this religion, and it's okay. I mean, it really is. I mean, I beat myself up, too. I go, oh, I didn't have it so bad when I could do my, you know, my. I have some shit, too, going down. But no, it's who you are. And so you, you wish you could cut this out of you and stop yeah. being the victim. Okay, got it. All right. Sounds like a heartbeat. It's a sample. Yeah. can't do that live you'll blow your brains yeah. out we've done it and oh, it was man. a mistake it was a mistake uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to pee so bad all right listen we're, i'm gonna wrap it up anyway oh, me too i'm so sorry all right Howard. listen 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 guys let me I'm just dying. wrap up I like am, this. i've like my belt i've done two holes left listen belt, if you had any balls you'd piss your pants right now right here live and uh, all right if you get baptized yeah, I, I thought you were playing with yourself. I didn't realize. All right, listen, yeah, imagine no, dragons. I'm dying. You're young boys. You shouldn't have to. You should be able to hold it. I, I you're not. You know, you don't have a large prostate. Yet. Imagine dragons. These boys are fantastic. They they know it, but they don't brag about it. Uh, Gary, bring them a pee bucket, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, imagine dragons. What a beautiful band. Dan Reynolds, of course. Ben. Platts and Wayne. Everybody in the band is almost named Dan, so they had to give themselves other names. It's, it's a very complex <laughs> story. We didn't even get into it. Imagine Dragons. You've done it again. Double album. Mercury Acts. One and two available now. Thanks for spending so much time. Go pee. Go relax. And just know I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate you doing this. 
Thank you. Best of luck with everything. And uh, God bless you. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you, Here Imagine Dragons on Sirius XM's The Pulse, you, Channel 5. And believe me, I'm right there with you. I look forward to my baptism. Whatever you want to do, <laughs> I'm ready. Yes. That's right. Your and, new uh, underwear. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I'll play Bones on the way out. I, 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 I'll play a little bit of Imagine Dragons. Uh, here we go, and the boys are going to go pee right now. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Howard. Howard. Thank you, Robin. Thanks, Robin. Give me, give me, give me some time to think. I'm in the bathroom looking at me. Facing the mirror is all I need. Wait until the Reaper takes my life. Never going to get me out of life. I will live a thousand million lives. My patience is waning.